Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It is Wednesday, July 28th, 2021. You're listening to episode number 505. I'm your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show is Mr. Bob Ryer. Belated happy birthday to Kate Beckinsale. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) our own uh, weatherman on the street there, Aaron Amos. How's the uh, weather near you, my friend? House of Cars could come down at any minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, full disclosure, uh, Aaron is in the middle of a hailstorm right now and is going to have to mute and unmute himself uh, for the duration of the show until the storm passes. So, if there's a little bit of a delay or whatnot, uh, you know why. That's the that's the magic of podcasting with so many different people in so many different places. If I'm not on the rest of the show. Someone take care of my puppy. <laughs> uh, John Burkle is here. Yeah, I'm putting on a fresh shirt. We got company this week. Whoa! <laughs> Somebody took a shower. We do. We have a very special guest with us this week. Sitting in the rotating chair is Nikki Torres. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Very here. <laughs> we are very happy to have you. You come very highly recommended by one Bob Ryer. He's biased. And, uh, <laughs> I put it oh, here. That could be. That could be. <laughs> so, Nikki, why don't you tell me uh, how do you and Bob know each other, and how did you? Uh, what is your comic book origin story? Well, my comic book origin story is. Bob. So. No, that, that's not right. That's not <laughs> yes, right. it is. Uh, but I'll backtrack a little bit. So um, I'm a big nerd. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I go by Nikki Muggle online. And nice. uh, so I've always surrounded myself with other nerdy people. And they're, most of them are really into comics. But I always felt it was like too big and too much of a boys club to get into. So like I got the Marvel mm-hmm. movies and I understood them. I like I will debate anybody on like the philosophies behind Harry Potter. Like I surround myself <laughs> in this like in this nerd realm, but I just felt like comics were out of my reach. And about like 27 no, 2016 actually. Uh so Bob would come in on Sundays and I would be pouring his beer and each week he'd have these books and it just kind of evolved naturally where he was showing me his books every week. And like, I mean, you guys know how passionate Bob is and that he could sell ice in hell. (laughs) Oh yes. Bob is a fine gateway. That is for sure. And, uh, you know, we were talking and I, you know, I kind of explained how, like, I just found, even with single issues, I don't keep up with that. If, when it comes to series of books, I'll like buy them all in one shot. So when he kind of explained trade copies to me that I can get this whole story arc in one almost book format, 
I was like, ooh, mind blown. And then I'm pretty sure it was my birthday, and Bob got me uh, an autographed copy of Pretty Deadly. And uh, my wallet really thanks Bob, because now I have a comic book edition. (laughs) 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 And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I got into comics. And uh, and comics and beer go really well, Um, you know. Even uh, Rachel, that was a guest on your show who wrote Renegade Rules, I'll talk about it later, but uh, she yeah. is one of my regulars at one of my jobs. So, it Oh, of, seriously? Yeah, so she gave me a shout-out of I'm the Nikki that she shouted out at the end there. So <laughs> No. Yeah, it's a small world oh, out here. Oh, my goodness. Full <laughs> circle. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, Rachel's great. It was so nice. So, And I only recently met her uh, when her comic came out in previews, so... That's amazing. Well, welcome to the show. We are we are really psyched to have you here. And uh, you've got your lightning round all prepared. Yeah. yeah. I want to I want to throw something in by the way. Nikki is underselling herself. She is, I I met her at a, a place in Patchogue, the sadly now gone craft beer emporium called Hoptron. Nikki yeah, is a beer beer expert, a cicerone as they say. <laughs> and We'd, I'd come in on Sunday and we'd meet the, the regulars and have a pint or two to end the week. And we just got started talking about all these books. And it was just a great conversation. Nikki, you asked so many wonderful questions about things. Where does this go? You have really great taste in books. And that's gonna, you're gonna, people are going to see that in your lightning round. But you, <laughs> love, you love a lot of really, really great stuff. You've quickly moved from... You, you, you're saying you don't know what you're doing. Boy, you, you learned really <laughs> fast is all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, Baba, again, could sell ice and hell. <laughs> so they're very good for my ego, Bob is. Uh, but yeah, that I was very, very nervous because I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. You guys are so well-versed. And Bob's like, the number one thing is conversation. And he's like, you sure as hell know how to hold a conversation. Yes. I was like, that I do. I can do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Have... um. I feel like you and I have met. Did I meet you at Hoptron? Yes, you yeah. did. Yeah, that, okay, you I thought came so. in that night. Yeah. That's right. That was a long time ago, too. That, what, 20? It was, but hearing hearing your voice, the more that you talk, I'm re- <laughs> I'm remembering it from that night. You know, I hear that a lot, actually. Like, I've been in breweries out of state, and people are like, did you used to work at Hopstron? And I was like, how could you possibly have known that? And they're like, I recognize your voice, especially now, because I'm still wearing a mask. So, um, and I work multiple locations uh, all over Long Island. And so people come in and they're like, are you the... And I'm like, yeah, that, that is probably me. So. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, now that we've solved that mystery that Bob already knew the answer to, <laughs> I uh, I think we're ready to move on. Unless anybody else has anything that they want to add. Uh, no? No, let's, right. just, let's just dive right in. <laughs> All right. Uh, just to give everybody a heads up, we have... Lightning rounds, of course. Uh, we have a couple of news bits. One of them is actually from June Oops. because uh, <laughs> something went underneath the radar. And we have a couple of listener questions. We put the word out. Uh, I collected these yesterday or two days ago. So if we, if you send one in and we don't get to it this time, you can be sure that we will answer it on another episode of the show. Ooh. I think the storm has passed. Hey, nice. We're still alive. You say that now. What if you're in the eye of it? We're still here. Oh, 
Storms don't. It's not a hurricane, Steve. <laughs> Listen, I make the rules. I actually got stuck in a Category Five hurricane, so it's not something I wish on anybody. Ouch. Did you? Where was yeah, this? Yeah, so I was in Turks and Caicos for Hurricane Irma, um, and we were very lucky. We where we were positioned in the island, uh, we did not see like the brunt of it, like the rest of the island did. But me and my family got stuck for about, I believe it was seven more days. We just couldn't get home because the path of the storm was how we had to get home. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have a sick guardian angel because we were supposed to be in St. Martin, and St. Martin absolutely annihilated, oh, yeah. uh, got annihilated by Irma. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I don't want you to be in a category five hurricane. <laughs> we got we got we got hit by a derecho last August. We had 150 mile per hour winds in the middle of Iowa that has no cover. I didn't have power for ten days. Whoa, it was oh crazy. my god! The wow. one, the Iowa lost almost 30 percent of their tree cover from it. It's just Incredible. nuts. I, can, I I wish that on nobody. Just like what Nikki said. Bob, what was that storm we had on the island that knocked everybody out for like more than two weeks? Well, Sandy, Gloria, going was it way Sandy? Back. Was Sandy, Sandy, yeah. Sandy was the one that took out all of the South Shore. Long Beach was yeah. destroyed. Yeah, and that was that was really bad. And then there was Isaiah, but that you were you were gone already for that. But it's Sandy. Sandy okay. caused our only interruption of this podcast. Yeah, because Sandy, a bunch of trees fell across the street from me when I yep. was still living uh, near the beach, yep. and just oh took every like every house out from like wow. just blocks and blocks and blocks, and they they just were not getting around to it. They had so much stuff yeah. to fix that yeah. we were like in a low priority area, and uh, it was wild, man. Oh god, it's, that was it's a like we, I had power here. I never lost power. It flickered here and there. But everyone around yeah. me was without. Bobby mm-hmm. was sending me links to where I could go get gasoline. <laughs> yeah, wow. that was my first like gas shortage experience. Yeah. I we would have to go at like five in the morning and yep. feed everybody. <laughs> yeah, I went about three o'clock in the morning in the middle of an ice storm in November because the local station just got a delivery and it was on the website. It's like I got to run over there now. And that do you remember who we what we were going to do the night we got postponed, Steve? Um, refresh my memory. We were going to interview Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader. Oh, who right. Had, who had written Halloween Eve, and we were interviewing them on Halloween Eve, which was the day of Sandy. <laughs> wow. That's right. Now, yes. Yeah. Yes, I do remember. So we caught up with them eventually, and we threw in my radio play, The Mind's Eye, to fill the space. But we, we, we you know, you had no power. Bobby had no power. We had no, we had no show. Man, I remember that recording space down uh, down by the beach. That was fun to do that in the living room. I posted pictures of it like two weeks oh, ago. Really? Oh, really? I love that space. Your your, yeah. your knight in armor in the corner. And- yep, I still have him. He's downstairs in the basement oh, that's in the comic great. room. You moved him up to Canada. I love that. Yeah, uh, we actually gave him to my aunt Tish, but uh, because of COVID, she hasn't been able to visit us to pick it up. She's going to bring it to her cottage and uh, Lance is going to retire in Canada. Oh, and okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll revisit it. He's still with us for now, but I, I did give her like a card with a photo of him in it because she helped me get my stuff from the storage unit. And when we went to go and grab everything, she saw that and just freaked out. And I figured since Lance was given to me that I would continue the tradition and give mm-hmm. him to someone else. Uh, we just haven't made it happen yet, so he's still with us for now. Nikki, it's but, a uh, it's a full set of armor. 
It's an <laughs> absolute six foot tall knight in armor standing in the yeah. corner of oh Steve. Oh my Liberty. god. We usually uh, hang Christmas lights from it and put a Santa hat on top uh, around Christmas, and then we decorate it for Halloween. I watch too much Lifetime. That would scare the crap out of me. Like, if you go to get, like, water in the middle of the night, and I just see a figure in the corner of the living room. <laughs> like, I cannot handle that. <laughs> like All a right. Scooby-Doo episode. Yeah. Yes. yeah. You meddlesome kids. <laughs> I actually just watched on Disney Plus right before we started recording um, – on uh, all the attractions of the parks, and I was watching the Haunted Mansion one, oh, and yeah. the like the history and timeline of how that that was a front project. Like that thing was in the works for a very long time, and there were a lot of different creative directions that were uh, established for it, and it kind of ended up being this like Frankenstein of ideas in the end. Uh, they've had to change it. What's that? <laughs> it kind of works for what they're trying to accomplish, that it would be a little bit like a haunted mansion would be like kind of a hodgepodge of people's tastes and things yeah. like that. Yeah. It, like it starts scary and ends funny. And it was, you know, a kind of like a meeting in the middle of the, the two creatives that, um, you know, shepherded most of the thing. And uh, it was cool. I don't know if the other episodes are any good, but the haunted mansion one is uh, pretty awesome. I love that ride. Anyway, that they use like the the old Disney princess dresses or the actual like yeah. ballroom gown guests. I love. I used to work at Disney, so you just like opened a door. We probably should have opened. Oh <laughs> man, that could be a whole other podcast. Yeah. I could talk Disney. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, I could talk Disney for hours. Here's a Patreon extra, Steve. We got one already. Yeah. <laughs> man, I love. I could go on for hours. I love Disney. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about some comic books. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go first. Ooh. I know. Why not? It's your show. All right. Let's uh, show everybody how it's done. Oh. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. So last night I sat down. I grabbed a bunch of graphic novels uh, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, I bought like five at once and they were all pretty pricey. Uh, it was a bad move for my wallet, but a great move for our library. One of the things that I picked up is published by First Second. It is called A Map to the Sun. And it's Words, Art, and Everything Else by Sloan Leong. Okay, it is a very poetic, lyrical, and very emotional graphic novel. The story revolves around five young women of color who form their school's first women's basketball team. The forming of this team is met with disdain by damn near every male character in the book, but territorial men are the least of Ren, Luna, Anella, So Young, and Jetta's concerns. They've got much bigger fish to fry, including all the drama happening in each of their lives at home. Okay, so this book is about basketball, yes, but it's more so about these women and their variety of personal issues happening off of the court. What I really loved about this book is that you get up close and personal with everyone on the team, and they each have problems that are unique to them, and no two stories are the same. Uh, Rennie and Luna, for example, used to be inseparable friends, but then Luna moved away for two years, leaving Ren with a broken heart and a, and a dog pile for her existing abandonment issues. Uh, can you tell I have this written down? Anella is uh, struggling with being comfortable in her own skin. Jetta is always on the edge from having to keep a part of her life secret from everyone else. The list goes on. 
My point is that the personal drama goes a long way to help shape the characters. It makes them feel very real and relatable. I really enjoyed getting to know them. Uh, when one of them was hurt, I was hurt. And I was also screaming internally as I read at least a third of this book because I became very upset with one of the characters in particular and was just like, Bronwyn's sitting in the bed next to me. It's late, so I can't like, you know, shout at the book in my hands or anything. But in my head, I'm yelling. I'm like, just tell her how you really feel. Be <laughs> honest with her. Stop building walls and just let go. Um, oh, my God. I was so frustrated, but I was so engaged at the same time which is a sign of a really good story for me. Uh, in addition to being a great story, the book is positively beautiful. Sloan uses this breathtaking sunset color palette throughout the book. So all the colors are made up of like setting yellows and oranges and pinks and purples and blues. Uh, if you have a physical version of the book, like I do, and you hold the book on its side and you can kind of see the layers of color breaks outlined on the edges of the pages. It's very, very cool. It looks like a rainbow uh, if you're holding it in your hands. It's really, really cool. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It's easily one of my favorite uh, original graphic novels that I've read this year. So don't be surprised if you hear about it again in a couple of months. I've bolded it. Uh, and I also think that as a group, I think I think everybody here would enjoy it. Um, it feels like a talking comics end of the year thing it to sound me. That way so far, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like if, if Dragon Hoops was any exactly. indication that like some of these like sports titles can just be incredible. This is another one of those stories. I was really kind of blown away by it. Look, as far back um, as Mara, right? The volleyball book we read how many years ago? Yeah, that we all loved. Yeah, absolutely. And then Fence as yeah. well is from Boom is also just amazing. Uh, the See, sports written. ball, it's not always <laughs> useless, right? Yeah. Uh, so moving on from that, I also read Moon Knight, number one. This is new from Marvel, written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro uh, Cappuccino. Cap Cappuccino? Sure, why not? Cappuccio? <laughs> it's colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, <laughs> letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, my apologies, as always. So my first note here says vampiric self-actualization pyramid scheme cult. These wow. words are actually <laughs> taken from the comic itself. So this is the deal. Uh, people in Moon Knight's neighborhood are getting turned into vampires and they're being turned into vampires against their will. And they're not happy with it when they realize their situation. So Moon Knight comes in. And he's just going to mess all the vampires up and do his whole thing. Uh, you got a decent origin rundown courtesy of Mark and his therapist, Dr. Sturman. Uh, Mark crosses paths with uh, Dr. Badur. He's mysterious. He has a strong anime villain vibe and outranks Mark in the Khonshu hierarchy. He doesn't approve of Mark's handling of the vampire infestation. And so he's got plans of his own, the whole thing. Um, it was fun. It's very much a setting up the players and stories type of number one comic. And I'm okay with that. Like as someone who hasn't read a lot of Moon Knight and kind of doesn't know where to start or where to go or if it's even worth it, uh, this felt like a really good jumping on point. So it's grim. It's gritty. Uh, it comes with some badass, like almost Spawn-like superhero art. Uh, lots of detail, glory pose pages, vampires hissing at you as you're, you know, going through the story. Uh, Moon Knight reminded me, uh, 
he reminds you constantly that he's the right hand of Khonshu like, again and again and again and again. Uh, it's a fun book. I really love the costume design, especially like his cape when it goes in like a half moon position when he's floating down. Uh, I don't know whose idea it was to do that or for however long, but it looks very cool. Um, last but not least for me, uh, I read a bunch of stuff, but I'll just I'll talk about uh, really quick Friend of the Devil, a reckless book uh, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. We've talked about this before. This is a former 60s radical and undercover agent. Ethan is a part repo man, part private eye and one part wrecking ball. It's 1985 and things in Ethan's life have gone are going pretty well. Until a missing woman shows up in the background of an old B movie. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, and Ethan is drawn into Hollywood's secret occult underbelly as he, ha- as he hunts for her among the wreckage of the wild days of the 70s. Okay. Uh, I don't know how much I have to say about this book aside from that it's another top tier crime drama from the team that never fails to deliver this type of thing. Uh, I got about halfway through the book. I put it down. I turned to Bronwyn and was like, how do they come up with this stuff? Like, where's the whiteboard or recordings of the late night brainstorming sessions? Because I want to see that stuff. Brubaker and Phillips are masters at dropping new information at just the right time to keep you super engaged with their stories. It's so good. Um, I also really like the Ethan character. He kind of reminds me of Charlie Parker from the John Connolly novels in some weird way. And I'm not sure how many more books there are in the series, but I could see this going for years if, you know, Ethan doesn't end up on the opposite end of a satanic dagger or something like that. (laughs) But uh, it's incredible. This, you know, this team, people that did Criminal and Fatal and all that other good stuff, they just, they continue to deliver always. And I, I'm, I feel privileged to read their stuff. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's it for me. Chicka chicka. Here's the yeah. thing: all the Rubaker stuff. I'm I'm sure they have it all really well planned, but to me, uh, it it's it always strikes me as these wonderful ideas that two friends come up with, shooting the crap with each other. Maybe yeah, not yeah. a whiteboard. Maybe it's the dartboard at the pub, right? They're just, yeah. what if this happened? What if we did this? And it always works. A hundred percent of the time it works. And it's amazing after how, what Fatal is what? 10 years ago? More? No. Criminal, can't be that criminal is probably 15 now. Yeah. Really? They've, been, wow. they've been working together since the nineties when they did sleeper at right. uh, Wildstorm. That's always amazing. I always see them as watching, like, one of them's binging, like, uh, some, like, true crime TV show, and it's like, hey, there's an episode of The Colts. Hey, here's an episode of White Supremacist. Hey, let's put those together. Want to do it in the 80s? Yeah, that's yeah, a good sure. idea. Let's go with yeah. it. It's well, just and, how and, I got it, away with it kind of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's awesome. And, and there's one more coming in October for sure. So there will be three this okay. year. Um, yeah, I knew there would be three. I hope that there's going to be more because I just – too. I like I really like Ethan as a character mm-hmm. to follow. He's there's something about him. I can't even put my finger on it. But he's, I just he's that classic eighties like good guy who's not always a great guy. And yeah, you're and you're always rooting. He's always, yeah. he's always behind the eight ball and you're rooting for him. 
And and it's I love that it's in the eighties because they'd done so much in the past, like in the fifties and forties. And then yeah. they they you know, and then they did uh was it uh Killer Be Killed, which is yes. pretty modern day. But this one, there's not I mean, there's a lot of like people always want to go back to the eighties right now, but this feels like the real eighties, like dirty and dank and and LA was a place you did not want to go visit. And after reading this, I I, I never want to go to LA. <laughs> <laughs> I um I like that it stands on its own too. Like I I did I did read the other the first novel mm-hmm. in the series, but you don't necessarily need it. Like you definitely can carry the flavor of Ethan's character over to the next story, but it doesn't hinge for the new one. You can just enjoy yeah. it as it is. Right. You know, and um yeah, man, like they always just they manage to make their antagonists, whether they're they're an actual like a person or a group, just so despicable mm-hmm. and so grimy, and you know they do that that ugly side of Hollywood oh, yeah. so 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 well, yeah. And uh, it's it's fascinating and terrifying, and to to think of just how real it actually is. You know, like mm-hmm. you're you're reading some stories where there are maybe there's some supernatural elements or there's like a really big crime element, but they get right in there and they craft these characters that just they get under your skin. Yeah, from both you know, sides and they too. live the, there. The, the, the ones you're supposed to like, you kind of can't because there's there's a there's an element to them that is despicable, and the villains yeah. have motives that if you could put yourself into their place, you could almost understand why they're doing the terrible things they're doing. It's brilliant. It is the, the old fashioned forties thing of film noir. They they've definitely leaned into and moved that through however many decades, however many settings moved into horror, straight violence into detective stuff. Just what a great team. And for, as John says, it's now 20 years. I, I didn't yeah. give him enough credit. It's twenty years worth of wow. Yeah. Oh boy. Now, what was your Moon Knight experience? You, you've not read any from all those years ago. I've read. I have the first. I've read the first volume of Jeff Lemire's okay. run. Oh. I own the rest of it, but have never, never followed up. I like. I bought them like in a like with a bunch of other things, and just you know have to do the first volume reread, and haven't haven't been in a place to be in a mood sure. night mood but now that like things are moving with the show we have ethan hawk a part of the the cast and then um today somebody else uh has been revealed to be playing midnight man okay uh gaspar uh oh man yuliel i believe he was in um jean-pierre Joannette's uh very long engagement oh i love he that was movie, yeah. hannibal lecter in hannibal rising and uh, so he he's the Marvel hasn't confirmed it yet, but there was like his casting agency basically posted his thing and his name is listed and character name is listed. Mm. So, so you should go um, back and read the, the Doug Munge, Bill Sienkiewicz yes. from the eighties. Cause that's where was, Moon Knight always dealt with the supernatural, like vampires and werewolves. And, okay. And somewhere like along that. the way he lost that, that like for a long time, it was, more super heroic and more, you know, avengeries and stuff like that. I read this. I, I, I'm going to give it a, a, a go. Um, it did feel more occultish and, and 
and back into that original intent of it. I wish they would play more with the, um, I mean, Mark suffers from multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. take Lockley into this, right? Yeah. yeah. They have a picture. They have a, like a, he's looking at a picture or somebody's looking at a picture of all of his different identities. Um, and, and yes, he is the fist of Kanushu. Uh, he'll never let you forget that. Uh, but yeah, the, is that how you pronounce it? Something like that. You might've said, <laughs> I thought it was Kanshu. Kanshu. Yeah. You're probably right. Kanshu. But uh, it's always the fist of Kanshu. And then the the crescent moon cape goes back to his original yep. when he was first created. And then you just got to love a costume where it's all white, you know, and he beats the crap out of people. And I was like, his, his dry cleaning bill has to be horrendous. <laughs> but I, I'm, I can't wait to see that show. I, I think that casting is going well for that one. Yeah, I um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to stick with it for, you know, for at least a little bit. And, um, you know, like going back to, I just dropped all my books, going back to what, um, Nikki was saying before about feeling intimidated by like the scope Mm -hmm. of the world. When I have something like Moon Knight and I look back and like, if I had put out the question, let's say to Twitter, you know, what, what should I, what should I read from Moon Knight? I would get so many different answers. But yeah, all of all of them yeah. would have Doug yeah. Mensch and Bill Sienkiewicz. They would all have that. Then they'd probably have the Bendis and Maleev run, yes. which is actually pretty good. Yep. Uh, and then, um, God, stay away from the '90s stuff. <laughs> oh, I do, Yo, I don't do, worry about I that. I do own some of that. Yeah, it's the, the Steve was it Steve Platt? Splat? Yes, yes. He became a thing for a while. Um, and then, God, who was it? Who, David Finch and somebody did it a few years ago. Yeah, was pretty, let, let's stay away from those. Two. Yeah, it's just, just, just don't go near that one either. Um, no, the Jeff Lemire and that stuff up until now, I think you're good. You, get, you're, I really liked the first volume of the Jeff Lemire thing. Yeah. Yeah, I he leaned into some of those originals, but definitely, if you want the feel of it, just maybe the first six or eight issues of the old one. Yeah, we're really go, go looking when Bill Sienkiewicz joined as the artist. I think it was like. Yeah. 1617 yeah, he did sure. about a year yeah. he did about a year run and it, it's it was so ahead of its time it's before he went over to new mutants and, mm. and his sketchies like almost schizophrenic style of artwork was so perfect for that and it's just dark in the cover there's like this one cover that still sends chill it's like got like a like werewolf teeth and dripping blood on a yes. black yes oh it's so it's so it just it's always there in my mind whenever i think of moon knight it's so awesome. good yeah. See, Nikki, you were talking about comics all of a sudden attacking your wallet. That happens here a lot. Yeah. I said last week that I was going to buy the rest of Captain America, and then I looked at my pull list for Wednesday, and then my pull list for this episode this week, and was just like, hell no, it's going to have to wait. Yeah, just- between books and comics, oof. I have a whole separate budgeting section. <laughs> do you do you still buy like physical um, physical books or do yes. you use an e-reader? No. See, I, I want to be one of those people that are e-reader peoples, but I need a physical copy. I beat my books to hell. They come with me wherever. Yeah. Dog-eared. Um, yeah. It's, it's brutal when I put these poor things to. Uh, the only like – 
digital format I use is uh, like webtoons. I'll use that because I feel like those comics are meant to be read in that format. Um, yeah. But yeah, everything else, I, I really rather have a physical copy of it. I just feel like I'm able to really connect with it more and not get distracted. I like it. I like it. I'm all for that. Yes, <laughs> I, uh, I too. You're all wrong. Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Does anybody else have any uh, comments or questions about my books? No, except I know we're going to read Map to the Sun as we get to the end of the year. And I, I, yeah. look, yes. I look forward to it. I want Joey to read this. I think he's going he's gonna to cry. You want right. him to cry? Yes, or, th- or throw up. That's what we want Joey to do. Yeah. Joey, Joey, Joey cries pretty easily, so I don't know that it's too much to ask, but I'd like to see him shed a tear. Joey okay. would cry at a Visa commercial. <laughs> hey, listen, I... Hey, I there, get I get weepy during some of this Olympic coverage, so I'm not. there was I forget what it when it was. It was I was living here in Canada and they had made some kind of like Christmas themed uh commercial before in the movie theater. And so it was advertising something and it was about four minutes long. And let me tell you something, it destroyed me. I was like, what are we watching? Oh, my God, this family, this kid's Christmas is going to be ruined. And then, of course, you know, the magic of Christmas, it all works out in the end. And then it's like, you know, sponsored by TD Bank, Canada's most blah, blah, blah. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What is uh, that? Are you kidding me? The COVID what? ones have been hitting me pretty hard because it's like, I know oh, you're God, trying yeah. to be like warm and inspiring and we're moving forward. And it's like, obviously there's uh, millions of people who have been affected by this. And it's like, I know you're trying, but I feel like I'm having the opposite effect of what I'm supposed to feel. <laughs> have you seen that? Uh, it's like a foreign gum commercial where people all over the place are like starting to come out of their apartments. They're knocking on doors to encourage people to go with them. Are they and they're all gum? popping their gum. The you know, no, 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 they're not sharing the oh. gum. They're all like popping their own individual pieces oh, of okay, gum, good. but like oh. they're feeling re- renewed and restored. And there's like all these people making out in the park falling out of the trees. One. Oh no, I don't like that. It's amazing. It's really funny. But I was like, am I supposed to be laughing about this yet? I don't think it's been too long soon. enough. Too soon. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know that it's been long enough considering that we're still in it. In a panorama? No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. Okay. Okay. Uh, comic books. Bringing it back. Bringing it back. Uh, Aaron, you said you wanted to go last, but why don't you go next? So how, how did I lose you? Was send me last? I don't. I don't understand. Do you? Are you still having weather? You said no, it stopped, I'm, I'm right? Already because I know how you are. I'm. I'm <laughs> always have a contingency. I'm like, I know he's going to try to screw me somehow. <laughs> It's my job as host to keep everybody on their toes. You make Joey cry. You put Aaron on the spot. That's right. (laughs) They made a mistake when they put me in charge. Every single time. All right. Give me the damn one. damn. Shaza damn. All right. So I got three things. Two of them books and one of them is not. So I guess we'll figure out how that goes. The first one is Dark Blood Number 1 by Boom Studios. Um, I did a little bit of the uh, review filter roulette, like I talk about every now and again. I came across this one. Actually, this one I've been looking at uh, as well when I saw it in the preview, so I thought I'd give it a shot. Um, so, Toya Morgan and Valentine Delandro. Um, essentially, 
It's giving me some vibes we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, it starts out, we got this guy, Avery Aldridge. This is 1955, Alabama. He's walking home from his job at the diner, and he is approached by, I should tell you, he's African-American. And he is approached by a very entitled white man. And while their, their exchange is exactly what you would expect from a exchange between a, an African-American man and a very entitled white man in the in the in 55 Alabama, yeah. So, yeah draw, draw your own conclusions. Well, as this is sort of playing out, we're getting some very Tom King-like time jumps um, to Mr. Aldridge's time in the war, uh, where he had some pretty harrowing experiences as a pilot uh, and had some pretty interesting outcomes of those experiences, uh, very action-packed, et cetera, et cetera. But we're going back and forth and back and forth. Uh, watching both of these events sort of escalate, you know, through some time jumps um, to the point where that little altercation between the black man and the white man in 1955, you know, goes exactly where you think it's going to go. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way the entitled white man thought it was going to go because there's a little Ooh. bit more to Mr. Aldridge than meets the eye. Uh, and the uh, and you know, and things become very clear from that point. Um, and it doesn't uh, everyone gets a little something. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, I think I know. <laughs> Everyone gets a little something. Um, but the book sort of wraps up with uh, getting a little bit of a hint of what's coming next in terms of figuring out how it is that you know Mr. Aldridge is able to do some of the things that he's able to do. It gives me a little bit of uh, I think it was a Black Mass Studios uh, Black AF vibes. Give me some excellence vibes. The the art is very. Um, old school comic booky. It almost reminds me of uh, some of the art from like the 60s Spider-Man series, um, if, it, if that makes any sense. Um, and I, I, I liked it. I, I was intrigued. I'm, I'm really, the entire exchange was, you know, it, there were very few characters, you know, but both storylines were, were, were engaging. So I'm going to stick with this. Um, so the next book, uh, Blue and Gold, number one by DC, Dan Jurgens, Ryan Sook. Uh, I have not read a whole lot of Booster Gold. Uh, I have not read any uh, Blue Beetle, at least not this version of Blue Beetle. Um, but I was all in because every time I do see them, their friendship, their relationship, this sort of buddy <laughs> cop situation between them is sort of something that I sort of connect with. Um, essentially, we have Booster here taking advantage of uh, modern technology, well, modern for us technology with social media and basically trying to crowdfund his way into fame and fortune and riches and all that stuff by basically televising um, his rescue of the Justice League who have been captured. Well, because it's Booster, things don't go as planned. Skeet has to call in some help, and that is uh, Mr. Blue Beetle himself. Um, it's a pretty interesting storyline here. Again, that relationship between the two of them is something that I, I, I seem to connect with, and the humor in there is is. Is, is is interesting. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Didn't know what to expect from it, but I think I'm going to stick with this one as well for no other reason than, you know, it doesn't go where you think it's going to go, but it, it the, the relationship, there's something endearing about that relationship, so I'm going to stick with that. Last thing on my list. Yes, I caved because uh, the friend <laughs> uh, talked about it so much over the weekend in our little chat. I sat down and watched Masters of the Universe Revelations, Ah, I watched the first episode. All right. So um, I was <laughs> telling you. <laughs> it's 
scare the crap out of me, by the way. <laughs> but no, um, Master Universe Revelations got some pretty big name, uh, you know, uh, voice actors in there: Sarah Michelle Gellar, Mark Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy, Lena Headey, uh, a bunch of other familiar voices that you, uh, if I said the names, you'd probably remember. Short story, to be honest with you, because there's only five episodes, um, five 30-minute episodes, Skeletor attacks Grayskull, shocker. Um, the, the result of this attack, among other things, is that magic is disappearing. Um, we do a little bit of a time jump because there are some implications, there are some, some ramifications of all of that, um, secrets being revealed, etc. Um, and we find ourselves with a story that is focused not on, on He-Man or Adam, but on Tila. Um, and what she has to do both internally and externally to, to sort of restore things. And so we get the first ver- the first part of that story. Um, it was fun from beginning to end, if I have to say. There were some points that I, I, I didn't quite understand some of the choices being made. Um, but it didn't really change the fact that I was enjoying it and having some fun. Um, I'll, I'll stick around and see what happens with, you know, the, the following episodes. Um, again, they, they're quick episodes, five episodes. I, I went through them pretty quickly. Um I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the animation style. I enjoyed the, 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 the way they focused on the relationships. I enjoyed, you know, the way they updated some of the characters, you know, from where they were during the 80s version of the show. Um, something I'll probably keep. You know, I'll probably keep watching it just for this. You know, it's nostalgic fun. Um, and that is my lightning round. That was exactly five minutes. I'm so impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it almost never happens. <laughs> never happens. I was like, wow, he started at 7.59. <laughs> <laughs> that was my takeaway. Uh, <laughs> now, isn't there some controversy over this new version of He-Man? I, I bubbled was, up? I, I was seeing some things here and there. I chose, to be honest with you, when I started seeing that there was controversy bubbling up, I chose not to look at it because I, I just wanted to watch. Yeah. I think it's people complaining that the story re- revolves around Tila as opposed to He-Man. I mean, it's, oh, God forbid. Oh, no. It's very much a, you know, not my He-Man you ruined sort of my situation. childhood. It's not my Conan knockoff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong, but I think that makes it, a, in a sense, that makes it a stronger show. Um, not because there's anything wrong with you, man, but because, listen, diversify, folks. Just, you know, it's first five episodes. You don't know where things are going well. Yeah. You know, that final yeah. scene, that final scene in that final episode was, ooh, yikes. Didn't see that coming, but so you enjoyed it overall. Then, like I should, I should keep going with yeah. it because I, I liked what I saw. I thought it was great fun. I thought it was great fun. People just get over yourselves, folks. It's it's entertaining. <laughs> be fun. Unclench, <laughs> unclench, and embrace <laughs> and, the change. And Dark Lord sounds great. I love Val Delandro from Bitch Planet. So, setting a period piece should be awesome with his his. He's audience. so good. He's so amazing. It's just really, really good art. I just, I just really connected with that art. It was. It was well done. Um, He's uh, quite the gentleman as well. Absolutely. We uh, we met at New York City Comic Con, and he was just incredible to talk to. Nice. Do you never? Yeah. Do you never read the old Justice League International? Era? I did. I did read Booster Gold. Okay. And it's, this is not that Booster Gold. That Booster. Oh, is Gold it not? Is, okay. That, no, I mean, no, I mean, it's that Booster Gold. But that Booster Gold, if I remember from Justice League International, was. Um, a li- wait, hold on. I'm thinking of New 52 Justice League International. No, I'm talking I'm about thinking, like the 19. Kevin McGuire, Keith, 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 Keith Giffen from the I 80s. Did read, I did read some of that on um, Infinite, whatever, whatever we yeah. have. Yeah. I did read some of that. <laughs> 
Um, Go back and read some of the, um, with Adam Hughes, where they bought an island that was a living island yes. and they tried to set up a resort and it went, and then Aquaman has to come. It, 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 some of the stupid, stupid situations they got themselves into back then. It, this book seems reminiscent of that. I haven't read it yet, but. Uh, it was just I, fun. It was, yeah. yeah. It was just a fun sort of superhero-y, but um, not too world ending. Yeah. You know, Not serious. Was, yeah, it was just superheroes being superheroes, but realizing that, you know, I, I almost feel like they're taking the spot that Green Arrow used to have, where his his role was, I am going to fight on the streets. I'm the street level guy. I'm not going to be in the spaceships mm-hmm. fighting monsters. And now where is he in the spaceships fighting monsters on other worlds? But, um, <laughs> you know, this, I think, is taking that that spot. So I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I'll stick with it. I enjoyed it. And I again, I don't know that much about Blue Beetle, so well. Yeah, I love Ryan Sook. Sadly, I think this means that Legion of Superheroes isn't coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pour one out, pour, pour one out, pour one out for another edition of the Legion that's gone away. Gone away. Volume twelve right. to come. Does uh, Does anybody else have any questions or comments for Aaron about his books? Nope. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry. I thought, oh, you're doing the, oh, yeah. See? <laughs> Ruining it. Damn it. <laughs> All right, John. <laughs> it is now your turn for the lightning round. <laughs> All righty. All right. Um, first off, I, I, I got a chance to go see the new Snake Eyes movie over the weekend. And G- I love G- I love the old G.I. Joe. I grew up with it. Um G.I. Joe number 21, the silent issue, is one of my favorite comics from back in the day that introduced this whole ninja aspect into it. This movie's not for me. Um, It's good. Henry Golding is amazing. I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, But the the way it's set up, the the story kind of falls apart. Um, Great action sequences, though. But I, I just I don't think G.I. Joe right now is meant for the movies. And uh, I don't I don't know where G.I. Joe is meant to be right now because it can't seem to find its footing anywhere. Um, but if, if you're a Snake Eyes fan, it might be something you want to go and check out. I just wouldn't rush to do it. Um, Let me ask you the important question. Yes. How was Samara weaving? Um, onto my other, no, um, she kind of fell <laughs> flat. <laughs> oh, you're going to do it like that? No, she just, her, there was no Careful. point, there was no point for her character to be introduced in this movie. Oh my um, God. Um, you never need an excuse to have Samara weaving in your movie. <laughs> this, this, this movie had, it's one of those movies that tried to do three movies in one and, and it just threw too much into it. She's fine. She's a great Scarlet. Um, it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense with what this movie wanted to do uh, mm-hmm. to to bring her in other than her connection to Snake Eyes and they didn't even need it because they already had a, a very strong female lead who 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 kicked ass and took names already so um, but no she, she if they go further into this GI Joe uh, she's she's a great get for that role because I think she'll be really good in it um, and I would be even interested in seeing them do something with her as a solo solo story down the line. Cause I'm sure yeah, she has an interesting backstory as well. The character. All right. Yeah. So I'm glad we cleared that up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. What uh, else you got? I, I got Thor annual number one, 
which is actually like Thor annual number like 40 something. Yeah. I don't know why Marvel keeps doing this. Um, so you got writer, penciler, Aaron Cooter, inks, Cam Smith, colors, Chris O'Halloran, and then letters by VCs, Joe Sabino. Uh, I mean, annuals used to mean something. They were, they were fun. It was an extra issue you got every year. Uh, I, I still think back to the early when Steve Englehart was doing the Avengers, he did the whole celestial Madonna mm-hmm. over the course of several annuals. Um, then you get into the nine eighties, you get the, the, Oh, the, I look forward to every year to the X-Men annual when it was Chris Claremont and Art Adams, uh, things like that. And I, this, they've just become like this packaged, let's do an event in within an event or something. So apparently all of Marvel's annuals this summer are about the infinity stones as a sidebar, I'm sick of the Infinity Stones. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I mean, it was great in the MCU, but it, it, let it go for a while. Let it go for you know, 10, 20 years, and then we can revisit them because it doesn't need to be done right now. But apparently the Infinity Stones, or gems as I like to call them, are bonding with certain people and no one knows why or what it means um, this book, Thor and his companions are commemorating the anniversary of the War of the Realms. Uh, they travel to Alfheim to, to dine with the Light Elves. And then some unknown entity draws Thor into a fight with an alternate reality version of himself. <gasps> a, a, a Thor who killed Loki. A Thor who was disowned by Odin. So a Thor who goes bad but has a great beard. Um, and he gets brought into the present day and it goes in a direction I wasn't expecting, but it, it, it was, it was a good story. The Cooter's art is amazing. He, he needs to do more Thor. He did a couple issues of the Kate's um, book a few months ago. And, and if he could come back and do more, it, it is, it, it is, is really stunning what he did here um, for an annual. It was fun. I'm glad I read it. I have no idea where all of these annuals are going and I have no intention of, of probably picking up another one. I really got this one just for the cooter art and, and it, and it really, if this is, if, if it's a good annual, if you enjoy Thor, you'll like this issue. I don't know how it plays out with the rest of this event. And, and I probably won't ever be able to tell you how it plays out with the rest of this event. Good for you. Um, yeah. All right. And so <laughs> thanks, Bob. Um, well, have you read any of the annuals this year? No, I'm no, I have okay. no interest in having to buy $47 worth of annuals to get a story. I Can I ask a about. question? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, I, I ran into an issue the other, oh, comic book issue the other <laughs> night when I was catching up with Catwoman. Uh, Ram V's Catwoman, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh wait, I don't have the next thing. And it's like continued in Catwoman Annual number whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, all right. So now with it being DC, I have this like six dollar annual mm-hmm. issue staring me in the face. But my question is, do does it bother you when like you feel like you're missing out on the main story because you didn't buy the annual? Aren't annuals supposed to be like? kind of a one and done type well, of situation. Marvel always did the one and done kind of filler. It was almost like a, a like a, an event to have different people take over. Um, DC has always done that where they, they rope in 
their annuals as the end piece of a, of a story. So if, like, if you go back and read the Judas contract, the George Perez, mm-hmm. Marv Wolfman, Teen Titans that introduced Nightwing and, and uh, Deathstroke and all of that, that culminates in, in an annual. Um, I didn't know that they were doing, I'm not reading the Catwoman right now, but yeah. uh, I, I would prefer not to have to go buy an annual to finish a story. I would rather it be done in the, in the regular book and then just have the annual be something fun or different. Um, uh, that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Like I was reading Catwoman and I'm enjoying it. It's, it's very cool. And, and, but like I got to that latest issue and it had that little, uh, panel at the bottom where it had the little asterisk and it's, you know, had can, can, happened in Catwoman annual so-and-so. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, damn it. Cause now I feel like I've missed something. Right. And they're hefty. They're hefty prices. They're always a they little are, bit bigger like, and they're always a little bit more expensive. Everybody knows I don't mind like throwing money at comics. I do it every week, but sometimes <laughs> even I have limits. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I already bought your thing. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean That's to complain. Okay. I know a lot of people, a lot of hard work goes into these books. Um, right. Anyway, continue. Continue. All right. Um, so I, I'm going to get to Superman and the Authority. Uh, but I got to go back to the authority. Um, the, the authority number one through 12, Brian Hitch. Um, this book redefined comic books. Um, the nineties were not a stellar time for superhero comics, uh, with the, the image revolution and then Marvel and DC tried to follow suit and, and it was more substance or more style than substance. Uh, but a little something happened along the way. Um, Stormwatch became this must-read superhero book, and then it spawned The Authority, which is uh, the bigger-than-life superheroes uh, taking on world destruction, world-destroying threats. Uh, they were a team without a country. They were socialists. Uh, they were social justice warriors before that became a thing. They were this bombastic team that DC hated because they, and more specifically, Paul Levitz hated because God forbid they had an analog of Superman and Batman who were gay and in love and eventually married and adopted a child. Um, I'm not going to say that's specifically why he didn't like them, but it, it 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 was not a good look, and Jim Lee sold Wildstorm to DC Comics, and that's how he became one of the editors in chief, and so on. Well, the the authority, the first twelve issues are are must read for superheroes of today because it redefined the genre. Everybody started to write comics in the same manner with the the widescreen, the the multi-arc issue, but nobody did it as well and nobody's art looked as pretty as Brian Hitch's did in 1999 and 2000. And then as once DC bought the authority, they neutered the book. They they took all of the the originality out of it. They took all the aggressiveness out of it. And then they they even started to almost belittle the title and they did that in action comics number 775 which is by joe kelly doug mank and lee bermijo um where they create a character called manchester black 
who is a, an analog to Jenny Sparks, who created The Authority. Uh, and he creates a team known as The Elite. And they are an over-violent, over-aggressive, murdering pack of thugs who claim to be superheroes. And this is Paul Levitz, who was the editor-in-chief of DC at the time, allowing Joe Kelly to mock the authority without understanding what the authority actually was about. Uh, how it was commenting that working for a government, working for the powers that be isn't what is best for the world and it's not going to create a finer world. If we truly had these seven superheroic beings who could do what they did and they could break down walls and barriers, they could truly make a better world for everyone, not one or 2%. And DC never got that. Um, and that brings me to Superman and the Authority number one, which was released last week. Grant Morrison, Mikel Janin, Jordi Belair, and Steve Wands. Just because you own the Authority doesn't mean you have to use it in a comic oh. book, DC. Um, I have not been reading Superman since Bendis left, but apparently Superman's been jaunting around time. Uh, he's in 1963 meeting with JFK right before JFK goes to Dallas. Um, if this is Superman from the future, maybe he should look over at JFK. Hey, <laughs> yeah, that'd be maybe, nice. bag, maybe bag off on this trip because we really uh, don't want to go there right now. Um, but apparently Superman wants a finer world. And that's that's a key phrase with the authority, the finer world, creating a finer world. And apparently Superman's also depowered now. So we're doing this again. Um, he can only levitate. He can't fly. Uh, his strength is going. I don't know if he, he suntanned in a red sun or something. Um, but he is recruiting Manchester Black uh, from Action Comics 775 to form a Black Ops superhero team who can do what might not be publicly for the best, but do it in private. Um, that's not what the authority was. They were the most overt in your face, super team ever created. And it's not even, you know, it's, it's not even the original team. I mean, we don't, we don't, from, I'm just going off of what the cover is um, because we only meet Superman and Manchester black in this issue, but DC just needs to stop. This isn't this, the authority. Uh, they don't, need an authority today. This book isn't necessary. You can't recapture that that momentum and that zeitgeist. And DC needs to figure out what the hell they're doing because if they're depowering Superman, if they turn him into electricity, I'm out. Because that means that they're going straight back to the 90s, the early 90s. They, they are already turning... I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Ridley Batman. But if they're going to turn over Batman and and turn it into some uh, over-gadgetized cyber Batman. That's the Azrael <laughs> Batman who, when Batman gets his bat back broken, it, this is not the time period that you need to recapture. Tell good stories, get good artwork. You, you had such promise when they did this Infinite Frontier, when they started this, and they're already talking about another damn crisis. Crisis. Get your shit together, DC, because this is not the direction you need to go. And Superman and Authority would be a good book if you didn't link it to this 
team because this is not the authority that we want. That can never be recaptured. They tried with the wild storm a few years ago. It stunk. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There has not been one good authority book since that original series. Everything else has been derivative and trying to redo the same story over and over again. If it's a classic and it's good at the time, leave it alone and go away. And I'm done. <laughs> oh, wow. Should they go kill themselves or should they? No, no, I don't know. No. Nobody should go kill themselves over okay. this. Right. DC just needs to figure out what they want to be. And they can't. Aaron, you're such a shit disturber. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> now listen, listen, Aaron. No. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I think. <laughs> listen. It, it's about context, it sounds like, John, and they don't seem to have it, even though it's their own book. Yeah, they don't. They don't get it. And, and they just, I don't know if they just want to keep the copyright and have to print something every few years. Oh, yeah. There's it, no question. They've been doing that for it, a long time. It's just, it, it's, it's not, they can't, they don't understand what they had and, and how they destroyed it. So actually, John, you actually did clear up a couple things for me. Number one, I did wonder about that relationship between the elite. I didn't know for sure. I always suspected between the elite and the authority, because I always wonder what the situation was with Jenny Sparks and the Manchester mm-hmm. Black. I also then wondered why they were calling it the authority if they were going after Man- if they were bringing Manchester Black in there because mm-hmm. that didn't make sense to me. So you explain that, and and, um, and then I, I have to say, I have always loved the authority, but I came into the authority, I think, out of order um, because I actually read. I was actually I think my first authority book was at a very small con that a friend of mine took me to, and we found some authority books, but I think it was they were out of order. So I read. I've have. It turns out I have read the first twelve. Mm-hmm. Just didn't know I read them. I think I own them somewhere upstairs. Um, and I agree with you that whole Jenny Sparks scenario, that whole that whole storyline, I thought was great. And I think I mentioned this last week that what I had always loved about the authority was that I think I did say this was that they existed in a space that was completely above and beyond and apart from mm-hmm. the Justice League almost like they were looking at the Justice League saying, all right, let's just let them do their thing down there and believe that they're really the ones who are saving the universe and all that stuff, but we'll just be over here doing our thing. Like you said, not necessarily. Well, they didn't even exist in the Justice League's universe originally. They were in the Wildstorm universe. Well, that's that's true. Yeah. I I, I just remember there being some reference, and it was a later It was Stormwatch. Thank you, Stormwatch. Yeah, yeah, Stormwatch. Some, some, Some reference to them. And I, I just always love them being sort of above and beyond, mm-hmm. you know, that whole um, here I come to save the day scenario where it was more like, listen, shit's happening. It's happening fast. <laughs> it's happening, you know, bigly. <laughs> and we need to careful now to deal with it <laughs> and sort of shut it down. And I really just sort of I love that. I really, really, really just love that about it. Um, <sighs> It's probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. So when I read this, I didn't know what the hell this was. Yeah, um, I thought just as a clear, I thought this Superman was like an alternate universe Superman. I didn't know. I just because I didn't understand why he was, but I haven't also been reading any of the other Superman. So I, if he's jaunting back and forth through time, I don't know because where Superman stands in the whole universe right now is bizarre because you have the Last Ride book. 
he and Batman are having some issues there. And then you have the Justice League book. They're having some issues there. Um, mm-hmm. Then he's kind of gone. I don't know. I, I don't know what the state of Superman is. And his son's coming in. So I didn't know exactly where this Superman fit into the whole. I don't know if this was canon, if this is like a, an Elseworlds thing. I don't know. I, I wasn't quite able to decipher that. I thought it was sort of like an Elseworlds thing, but maybe I'm wrong. I didn't read. I didn't. I thought that this like I thought that uh, the son's now Superman because they have the Tom Taylor book doing that. And so Cal L. Clark has gone into the background to be in this book is how I read it, because they keep doing that, that sheet in the back of the books about kind of setting up what this infinite frontier is. So I assume that this was in the, the mainstream DC universe, but I couldn't. No. I, yeah. It was confusing. It, 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 this was more, I don't know if Morrison was just has to fulfill his contract with DC because he might be the last writer who has an actual contract with them. Um, but this, this wasn't, this was not his finest work. So they don't say, okay. Cause I was, the last thing I was going to ask is I, I didn't glean from this book why Superman is being depowered either. No, so if he's not, but you haven't been reading any of the other Superman books. No, I think I assume it's in the uh, it's in the other. I might pick up the Tom Taylor book tomorrow. That that about the sun. It's about John Kent, mm-hmm. and maybe it'll be in there. I don't know. I I've, I've not been missing Superman, so I'm not really in a hurry to go buy Superman either. Gener- okay. Generation Five is coming. Do you feel exercised? John, now that you've gotten that all out of your system, I actually feel a little bit more worked up still. I, I, <laughs> no, no, I feel good. I just, I'm, I, I just knew I was going to get ranty. I just, I, it, <clears throat> there's books that just that that mean a lot to you. I, 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 at least to me. And when the Authority came out, I was on the verge of like getting out of comics. Like I, I was just kind of disappointed with it. There was like Starman was around. Some of the stuff at uh, like uh, Preacher and the Invisibles were wrapping up at at Vertigo, and I, I mean, comics have been a staple in my life since I was like three or four. And then I learned to read on comics that I've talked about several times on the show. Right. And, and the Authority is like when that book hit, I was like, "Damn, this is this is what I want." And every month I got excited that, you know, you get excited when you see a book's going to be coming out. And back then it wasn't, we didn't have the internet to see what was going to be released the next week. We just kind of like would go and be like, what's ever in your pull list? And it's like, oh, there it is. And, and, and then, and then, <laughs> the and, good then stuff. and then 12 hit and it's like, oh my God, 12. And then, then they turned it over to Mark Miller and Frank Quitley, which was beautiful. It was a good, but that's when DC just kind of, stuck their fingers in and started to dismantle what they had. Um, and, and so started messing with the formula. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that when it's working, leave it alone. And, and they just couldn't help themselves because they thought that, that the, the, the writer and artists were belittling DC franchises. And, and it, it was, you know, if somebody has the, the, the where or the the desire to tell a story and they're using your characters without using your characters and they're doing it in a way that amplifies that that's more of a love letter than them trying to belittle your character yeah. so maybe get the inference rather than just being insulted right away maybe read it first 
Someone's been reading a lot of Thor so they could put the hammer down. Damn. Damn. Right. Oh, I've been had... waiting like 10 minutes to say that. <laughs> Thor annual... a while ago. <laughs> Thor Annual 1's fun, though. That's a good. Did you read that, Aaron? I did not get to Thor Annual 1. It's, yeah. it's literally like next up, but I didn't get to it. Yeah. You know I love my Thors. I know. You'll, you'll like it. I think you'll like it. All right. Are we moving on, or does anybody else want to join and, the and, chorus? And Nikki, that is not how you do five minutes. <laughs> uh, but I do actually. I have a question. Well, one also, I was LOLing because I I used the Infinity Stones to caption uh, one of my beer Instagram photos the other day. So when you're like, I'm over it. I was like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I wanted to know with GI Joe. So. Being a big movie person, do you watch the trailers before you go into movies like this? I like try not to, but I my son, I have an eight-year-old son who does like to watch the trailers, and so he'll usually have me watch them. I ended up watching this one, and it gives away most of the movie. Yeah, because that's I find that with like any of any books, uh, books, uh, movies like this, they they do. So that's why I try not to watch it. And I did watch a trailer for this one, but I have like zero knowledge on GI Joe. It like just didn't even come up in anything yeah. for me. So like I was like, oh, I'll like go see this. But did you watch Mortal Kombat when that came out? Oh, I, I did, Steve, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. You, like you wouldn't join me for a four-hour podcast about it. <laughs> I did not have a four-hour tour to talk about more. Of- I did. <laughs> I, you know, I felt like it was going to fall into that same where, like, the hardcore fans just don't really take to it. But, like, the average moviegoers would, like, I feel like I would enjoy Snake Eyes. Like, I feel like yeah, you probably I'm, I'm would. taking it what it is without overlooking it what, or deeply looking into anything. So I was just kind of curious what your mm-hmm. thoughts were on that. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. If you're like a hard set in stone, old school, like had the toys and the, everything from the eighties, this probably isn't the movie for you. Um, if you're like you, not very invested and just, if you're just in for a good action movie and, and you don't care much about plot, this movie's great. This is a movie I could put on when it's on Paramount Plus in a few week or a few months. I could put it on in the background and watch some of the the big action sequences and completely enjoy it. Uh, yeah. I just I just didn't enjoy it as a GI Joe movie. Do you like any of the GI Joe movies aside from the original animated film? Which I, is did, amazing. I did not mind the Channing Tatum one, the first one. It didn't hate it. Okay. Uh, whoever played the Baroness in that? Um, God, I can't think of her name. She was. Anyway, she I thought she was really well done. Um the the one with the rock lost me. I didn't it just yeah. There's a one that Bruce Willis in it. Yeah, that's the one with yeah. the rock okay. and, and and Bruce Willis and uh actually uh somebody we were talking about off the the off the air Adrian Pilecki is in that too. Oh. She plays Lady J, I believe. Um no, I I the 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 cartoon's amazing. The the original movie cartoon. Yeah. That was awesome. I, I'll watch that over and over again. And sometimes if you, I'll go to the Hasbro G.I. Joe channel and they just show the cartoons on a loop, like just continually. So wherever you drop in, it's like, oh, here's the G.I. Joe of, of the moment. And we just watch that sometimes, too. So, yeah, I mean, I had I, I loved it all back in the day. It just I don't think this movie was created for the old school fan, though. Hmm. Trying to find this. uh 
the actress for that know, played Baroness too, in this but... movie, and like <laughs> they're not making it easy. Her name, uh, Baroness doesn't even appear on the IMDb in the page. Sienna uh, Miller. Thank yeah, Sienna Miller. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I found it. <laughs> it was like a, it was a pop culture rabbit hunt. Let's go find out who this is. Awesome, mystery solved. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> That's the title of this week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> Sienna Miller, mystery solved. All right. So I was going to have Bob go next, but, what? but Nikki, let's, let's oh, stick with you for a little the while. The minute you said, but I was like, it's my turn. Isn't it? Yes, it is. uh, okay. Well, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> gotta have gotta have the sounds. Yeah, I don't think I could have done it without it. Um, so I think I might take up the whole five minutes just reading some of the, the titles of these books. But um, so the first one I picked was uh, the comic book story of beer, the world's favorite beverage from seven thousand BC to today's craft brewing revolution. Uh, say that ten times fast. And that's uh, Jonathan Hennessy, Mike Smith, and the arts by Aaron Mc. Connell and the letterings by Tom. I'm not saying his last name because that's a disservice to him. I didn't pass hooked on phonics. Um, but the reason I picked it is because, like, as Bob told you, I am very well versed in beer. Um, I'm level one of the Cicerone program, so I'm a craft beer server, like certified craft beer server. Um, I've at this point worked at six breweries, uh, three craft beer bars, and then five bars and restaurants. And I think with anything in order to truly understand what you're selling and truly understand the service you're providing, you really have to research it, research it. That was my list coming out to play. <laughs> and uh, with this, I think they did a really fantastic job making it accessible. Like the history of beer is so clear in here. Um, I think art wise, it's not that the, it's not beautiful. I think I'm just a little spoiled with like books like pretty deadly. Um, it, it's what it needs to be for an educational comic. Um, they're to the point where I actually really want one of the images tattooed, but it's not really, I don't want to say noteworthy. I feel like that's diminishing of uh, the artist's work, but it, it's really not the standout of the comic. They really touch on so much from history to styles to things like the average beer drinker doesn't know what a lambic is. Um, and they're able to put that in such an easy to digest format. And I really appreciate it. And I think for people who want to up their beer drinking experience, their beer serving experience, I think it's such a good book to pick up because, you know, I've read books like Tasting Beer by Randy Mosher, um, you know, the Oxford Companion to Beer. But at the end of the day, they're not really fun. So picking up a comic book that's actually going to benefit you and educate you is, is really awesome to me, at least. Um, then following the craft beer theme uh so renegade rule i know i, I feel bad because i feel like i picked books that have been talked to you know death on here that's but okay so, we do it all the time <laughs> and i was like i feel i'm gonna do it anyway so um but again you know rachel is one of my regulars she was her and her girlfriend katie were one of my first regulars at that location and how we met is uh katie had a charizard credit card which is hands wow. down the what? coolest thing <laughs> She put it like a skin on her credit card and it looked like a Pokemon card and I lost my mind. I could not handle it. My manager. Oh my God. Fell over. Did you hear the Pokemon news today that their mm -hmm. Netflix is doing a live action series? What? Yeah. 
What? <laughs> oh, I can't yep. wait. Joe Henderson from Lucifer and Shadecraft. Oh, I can't wait. And to everything. He's gonna. Wait, love wait, wait, that. wait, 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 wait. Hold on, wait. I gotta, I gotta double check that. I might be confusing that with another story. But yes, yes. there is a live action Pokemon thing. The Joe Henderson thing, though, I think is something else. I'm looking mean, up. I'm sorry, Nikki. Go ahead. I got really okay. excited. You, you, uh, thank you, because that's exciting news. But that's exactly how I re- uh, reacted to Katie's credit card being Charizard. And I guess like Rachel recognized some like nerd connection there and uh they were sitting outside and she came back in and she's like hey like i think you might be a geek and i'm like you're correct and she shows me the preview she's like i wrote this comic it's coming out and i was like i know it doesn't really mean anything because i'm a stranger but i'm really proud of you and i can't wait to read it and uh and then we've they've come back ever since and uh you know i was able to get my hands on the book and I just really love how inclusive it is without feeling forced. I feel like a lot of things right now are like, look, we put a, you know, especially Netflix. I think Netflix is the most guilty of it where they'll have these characters whose sexualities change every episode. And I was like, it just feels like, look, we did this and look, we did that. And aren't you happy? We're including everyone, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel authentic. And I feel like with Renegade Rule, it does. And I just feel like it really is a sign of the times. And it's just really fun. Like, I I really just enjoyed reading it. That book is amazing. Yeah, like, I, I'm like, for, like, this is, like, cool. Like, I met her. And, like, I love her. And I'm just so happy to see this project. And I feel like I want to have a bagel with Ben after listening to their their spot on your show. Because like, he has some strong opinions. I just, uh, Bronwyn and I just podcasted with Ben for Progressively Horrified for uh, Fast and Furious on Saturday night. Oh, lovely <laughs> yeah yeah they're great and that's they're like, absolutely great i feel like their personalities they feel like they shouldn't go but they do so well and it comes out in the book and I, i'm just really impressed by that and yeah i piggybacking off of that um i actually went with a book book um so it's called the body is not an apology the power of radical self-love by uh sonia renee taylor and uh the reason i went with that is i'm doing like a reading challenge and this was one of the prompts And it was like something about body positivity. So I was like, whatever, I'll just pick this book up. But I kind of liked, you know, coming off of the inclusivity note, I I liked how much it was. It's just accepting who you are, but not just accepting loving who you are. And I feel like in the comic book industry, it's, you know, now it's kind of more mainstream and more popular, but I feel like it's always been this other category. And to realize these themes, like, how much of the media influences what is cool, what's not cool, like how much of that's put on just yourself and how you view your own person um, in the physical and mental self. It's it's so heavy. And to just be like, hey, like I, I need you to stop apologizing just for being you and liking the things you like and and the way you look and just really own it and love yourself for it and love other people for owning that as well. I thought that was a really cool message. And then my last one, um, again, another book <laughs> that we, we've we gone over, uh, Paranorthern and the Chaos Aww. Bunny Ahopolis, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is not easy for me to say. My, my list was like, great, you really want to pronounce this one. Um, I, I know. <laughs> like, I was like, can we go with Oh My Gods? So that would have been so much easier for me to say. <laughs> And you guys all have like this personal connection with Stephanie. Um, and I, I just know her through her writing. And I, I 
giggles. Like I, I literally giggle reading them. I think they're so cute. They're so approachable. And I have a, a little cousin, she's five. And I was recently in Myrtle beach with her and I was reading, I think, Oh, it was something terrible that I just had picked up, but a really age inappropriate comic and she's like, what are you reading? Read it to me. And I was like, oh, I can't read this to this girl. Like, it wasn't sex criminals, but it was like something of that caliber. Okay, and I was like, yeah, there's no way to PG-ify that. And, uh, you know, I was able to to read her giant days uh, and act out characters to that. So that was fun. Um, she's a real. I think she liked Esther a lot. Um, wow. So, I was going to say Daisy. She's an Esther, huh? Wow. No, she, yeah, she's going to be me just in like 25 years. But, um, so I, you know, as I'm reading these books, I'm like, oh my God, I have to bring these down to South Carolina. I have to read these to Kaylee because I don't want her to wait till she's in her 20s to get into comics. I don't want her to wait to approach these books. And I feel like, you know, if you have someone in your life, especially a woman in your life, as a young girl telling you like, no, it's okay. Like I still to this day sometimes have problems walking into comic book stores because I feel like I, I don't ever claim that I know what I'm talking about. Um, but I feel like they, they're like, what are you doing here? And you know, what can I get for you? And it seems very like, like I'm in the wrong place. Um, I had done like a mystery shop at a, like, I guess like the Walmart of comic book stores. And, uh, you know, I had asked if you, I had to ask them if they had a certain book in store. So I asked and I was like, and it works out for me because I get a comic paid for it. But I was like, hey, do you have Saga? And he's like, yeah, let me show you. And he's like going on. And he was so enthusiastic to be like, okay. And he, he's like, you're going to want to grab volume one and two because you're going to really like it. And you're going to want to like continue with the story. And I was like, oh yeah, totally. And he walks away and I grab seven eight nine <laughs> and i already read all of these and then he happened to be the one that had to ring me up and he's like you're kind of jumping ahead and i was like yeah like you know what you just kind of assumed i wanted the first ones um but I, and you seem so nice about it i didn't want to be a jerk and uh, so yeah i just it felt like i i want her to be able to read books like paranorthern which is like this I love a cute Halloween story. Like I'm a Nightmare Before Christmas kid. Perfect. So, yeah. And I was just watching a documentary, and it was like this is a, a film for others, made by outsiders. And I was like, I love that. I love the idea that like, oh, you want Halloween twenty four seven? Like here's this world that the stories exist in that, and there's sisterhood, and there's friendship, and there's just all these these themes in an age appropriate package. But it doesn't make me as an adult reader feel uncomfortable. I'm not like, oh, I'm watching like a teen romance skeevy. But like, I was like, no, this is cute and really, really fun. So I really liked both of her books, um, especially because I'm a big Laura Olympus fan. And I really like what she handled with um, just the Greek gods and stuff. But yeah, that's it. That's all I got. (laughs) That was awesome. I could swear you just said Laurel Limp Biscuit. I was like, what? Yeah, I might have said it really fast because I was like, oh, lightning round. Yes. <laughs> no, I loved it. Laurel Olympus. Here's, here's an interesting tie-in. Stephanie's cat is named Kaylee. Oh, no, that's ridiculous. Yes. I love yes. it so much. Yep. Wow. <laughs> See, One of the best cats in the world, too. So is. adorable. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So now I'm going to have to read. I have to read them to Kaylee. There's no option. No option. None. 
So, so Nikki, you are you are well versed in beer and craft beer specifically. Yes. Yes. Okay. Have you ever paired a beer with a person? With a person? I mean, I do yeah. that for Bob every week. <laughs> yeah, she does. Okay, so let me ask you: in the short time, in the short time that you've spent with everybody this evening, oh, if we walked out. up to the bar, what kind of beer would you recommend for each of us? Wow. Okay. This is fun. Um, well, after after John's lightning round, I'd want to give him something big and bold. Uh, so I would try to find, I, I'd like some malt characteristics. So maybe like an Imperial Red. Uh, Sand City's got a cool one called George's Hat, which is about 9%. Um, so I think that would be something to satiate that fire that that last lightning round just said. <laughs> and then let's see so for Aaron I feel like I want to give Aaron something weird um, but not (laughs) crazy weird like I would say like probably uh, one of my jobs has a blood orange smoked Goza so I think that would be a really cool one um, because it'd be something different something interesting might love it might hate it but I feel like Aaron would vibe with something that he might love or might hate. Um, and then Steve, hmm. I'd want to go something classic. Just toilet water yeah, in a yeah. glass. Have you Here's ever heard of old style light, Steve? No. <laughs> um, I actually, I feel like, I feel like a, a really well done Kolsch. Um, so Kolsch's are, they use yeah. ale yeast uh, lagered, so it mimics the lager style while not technically being traditional, uh, but they're one of the most, in my opinion, one of the hardest styles to accomplish well, because there's literally nothing to hide. If you mess up, you will taste it in a Kolsch, um, and I feel like that is the the style that I would give to Steve, and then Bob. Bob, it really depends on his week. Um, but Bob is big on the IPA, so I like a New England juice forward IPA with a under seven percent ABV because Bob usually has to record. So that's what I <laughs> true, all true. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank awesome. you so much. That was so cool. You know, put me on the spot. I didn't have any time to think of that. <laughs> Yeah, but look at how well you did. That was amazing. Thank you. I've been doing this a while. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I'm so glad I asked. Great question. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, Bob, did you want to chime in on any of uh, Nikki's books? Well, I am really intrigued about the comic book history of being. <laughs> I can lend you a comic book? Yes. Is that yes. what I just heard? That's what you oh just heard. Oh, my God. It's all happening. This is wild. Bob lent me one of his comics once, and it was the most stressful week of my life because I was like, you cannot ruin this comic. You cannot dent it. You cannot, like, breathe on it. Like, you have to return this in the best condition, um, but you don't have to worry. Was it Clean Room? No, uh, Black Magic. Ah. Yeah, you were like, you have to read this. I'm lending you my copy. And, yeah, I read it immediately because I wanted to give it right back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I loved it, so it was it was worth the stress. Excellent, and, and the body is not apology as a book. Book, what you're talking about to me is this idea that yes, we are more forgiving in our nerd culture, but there is still a sort of we're Taboo. still we're, yeah, but we're still on the outside of this, and it sounds like this book is saying no, we don't have to be. Yeah, it's the idea that we're all going through this, and. 
that the media is constantly telling all of us about our flaws and it's time to just really realize that this you're living your life but your body's living it with you so the more you take out this stuff on your body you're not actually changing anything you're making it harder for you and and your body to exist and i thought that was really beautiful yeah it's a great message thank you for bringing that to us anytime (laughs) indeed and uh i'll just throw a shout in for a renegade rule because i love it so much it's uh just an incredibly funny book about a bunch of friends and video games and just really loving relationships. And Oh my God, I love it. All right. That's it. That's it it for me. (laughs) Uh, Does anybody else have anything for Nikki before we move on to Bob? Chaos bunnies forever. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That book was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. I think Bob should do a lightning round. Don't you forgot about me, but here we go. No. Here we go. Really quickly, as I'm only halfway through, having had to pull out volume two to play catch up, even at that, Once in Future Volume 3 by Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora, Tamra Bonvion, Ed Dukeshire, it is something really special. They brought some new, new angles to this epic series. Rose has stepped into a new role and a new myth cycle try to help Bridget and Duncan in their renewed quest to stop Merlin and Bridget's daughter from raising a new Galahad. As always, just wonderfully layered and hilarious. So Once in Future continues to be the best. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number two of eight by Tom King, Bilquis Everly, Matthew Lopes, and Clayton Cowles looked absolutely gorgeous. But again, it didn't read well for me as the same coarseness to Kara's personality and dialogue graded on my sensibilities. One cool tidbit was a throwback to Peter David's well-remembered Supergirl run of the late 90s and early 2000s. So look to the angels is all I'm going to say. Captain Marvel 30 by Kelly Thompson, Jacobo Kamanyi, Espen Grintigern, and Clayton Cowles concludes the strange magic arc with more than a few twists, not the least of which is Carol's musing about how much her success might cost her today and in the future. Kelly Thompson continues to show a great handle on what separates Captain Marvel from so many other characters, showing us how well, she always strives to overcome her own flaws, and especially that she realizes that she's not always taking the right path to get there. There's also a fabulous backup story in this issue, too, written and drawn by Jamie McKelvey. It's called, it's called <gasps> Ripples. And I would say it's the best Kamala Carroll team up ever. What? It's nary a battle to be seen. <laughs> Carroll, after this last magical fracas, has become very unsure of why she does what she does and does what she does have any real impact. So she turns to Kamala for insight, support, and inspiration. Look, Mr. McKelvey captures so many wonderful nuances of both these characters' personalities that it feels as if he's been writing them for years. Their interaction here, it, it covers all the emotional range you'd imagine, but it's it's the it, it's just two good friends working through their problems. But it's the shift in roles between the two that highlights the best of both of them. Somewhere soon, Marvel, can we get a Carol Kamala mini by Jamie McKelvey? Just saying. Finally, there's Mother of Madness, a.k.a. Mom, by Amelia Clark, Marguerite Bennett, Little Liaz, Triona Farrell, and... Haley Rose Lyon. It's the first of a three-issue miniseries set in a future near to our own, where, sadly, the dynamics of the male-female 
relations haven't changed over much, which doesn't sit well with our lead, Maya Kuyper. In some neat world and character building moments, we learn quite a lot about her backstory, which includes a very superhero moment where in a down moment, she takes an experimental drug, but instead of it taking her out, it grants her superpowers, ones that are triggered by her emotional and hormonal state. Nice bit of social commentary. Uh, it criticizes and upends the genre tropes. Love the first issue for, and this first ever by Miss Clark. And of course, one of my favorites, Marguerite Bennett. I'm looking forward to where this thing will go. I would say if you're a fan of either Man Eaters or Bitch Plant, you might want to check into Mom Number One. Mm-hmm. And that's it for me. <laughs> uh, Nikki, did you get a chance to check out Mom as well? I did, and I'm really glad like Bob was not subtle in the fact that he wanted me to check out Mom. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, because in the craft beer world, there is a little bit of a Me Too movement happening, and uh, poor Bob. I, most bartenders listen to people's problems. I just make money off of my own, and uh, poor Bob has had to listen to uh, my experiences in this industry, in this male-driven industry. And so reading Mom, as it was happening, because I, I read it earlier, um, I had a coworker tell me that, yeah, he might have an attitude with me, but it's only because I had an attitude first. And that oh, I'm the one that's giving oh. him an attitude, so he is justified in talking back to me, even if I am his supervisor. And I was like, am I crazy? Which is actually a dialogue line in yes. Mom. yes. And I like called my coworker. I'm like, is it me? Like, am I the problem? And then I was like, no, you know, you're not the problem. It's like, they're just making you think this. So it's, oh, I think the comment had been that it was very on the nose. And I was like, yeah, but like, yeah. this is real life. <laughs> like, I yeah. go through this. Oh, totally. absolutely. Everything. Absolutely. Yeah. I think people think I make up like how bad it is, but I, I physically had a customer put their hands on me and drag me over to their to him and his friends. And after, you know, the coworker, another coworker was giving me shit and was like, well, you know, you have a real attitude today. And I was like, I, I literally got manhandled and nobody seems to care, but uh, I'm hurting your feelings. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. And I was like, it really does have that. Like I, it's all the things I love about man eaters and bitch planet where it's just like, I don't understand why these men are not fucking getting it. And like, Oh, I'm sorry. Am I allowed to curse? Yes, you are. Yes, yes. Fuck yeah, you are. Absolutely. (laughs) I was like, whoops, I got a little passionate there. Uh, But yeah, and that's, it's literally everything I love about those books where it's just like, holy shit, like this is, this is the life that I live and, and they're writing it and other people will see it. But the the fear I have with books like this is that it's a matter of will, you know, the comic book equivalent of beer bros get what message is trying to be sent. And I just don't right. know if they will. Yeah. Good point. Um, I got to check it out. Oh, go no, ahead. Go, go. I'm just saying that was a good point. Nikki just made go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I got to check it out too. And uh, I, you know, I, I do agree that like, I really love the, the story concepts. I think uh, Bob and, and Nikki had both mentioned that sometimes the writing is a little bit on the nose. That seems to be happening at the beginning of the book. It seems a little checklisty uh, for a few pages, but once it settles into it, it's a really, really wild and fun concept with a lot of good 
uh, messaging in it, especially if you're a male reader to kind of maybe wake you up to a few things. Right. Yeah. Um, and I really, really threw out the whole issue. Really loved the art. Uh, reminded me a little bit of, um, like Lila Del Duca meets the all reds. Yeah. You know, it has like some, some real pop art effects toward the middle of the book and it's just stylish as hell. It looks damn good. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with it. There were some aspects of it that I didn't necessarily, I don't think settled for me on the first read, but it feels like something that if I go back and read it again, um, maybe it'll read better. And I definitely want to collect it just because of how amazing it looks. Do you think that's because it's, her first go of it too. It does feel, I mean, this is, and this is not meant to be derogatory at all. Yeah. The beginning, the first couple pages felt a little, my first comic for me, just yeah. in terms of like really hitting you over the head with the type of book that this is going to be. And the, the, like you said, bitch planet or, or man eaters where it's definitely coming in with that vibe and that like, we're going to get shit done and we're going to tell you the way it is. And you're going to be uncomfortable while you're reading this, but that's kind of the point. Absolutely. So yes, you know, like that's, that's part of the reading experience. And if you're not bothered by what you're reading and what you're seeing and what some of these characters are doing in this book, then maybe you need to prioritize and have like a a campfire and some mushrooms or something. I don't know. You got to go on a journey (laughs) and find yourself again because Christ. But anyway, um, yeah, and see, like, and and for me, one of the things that I love about having this podcast and having this show is because I will think one way about a book, and then we'll talk about it on the show, and the passion from other people and their perspectives for it will then be like, well, maybe I'm being too harsh, and maybe I should just dive into it again with you know new eyes and whatnot. So, thank you both for you know bringing your energy, your fierceness to the. Uh, conversation i think it's cool that the mother of dragons wrote mother of madness too yes like just- and it's a yeah it's a great concept <laughs> it's oh man and she's gonna use it's, uh, uh, maya in this book has definitely got a mission i, wanna, I didn't want to say too much but there's some really bad folks beyond just regular bad folks yeah. that uh, it, it definitely leans into some of the terror that the saskas did with black widow where there's going to be a major something go on here. Mm-hmm. And Maya's going to uh, do some stuff. I'll also note that it's another book where you're seeing people in the pandemic. Like there's this shot of them on the train. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's one, two, three, four. There's three people with face masks. No, f- four people. One of them not, doesn't, doesn't have their nose covered. Uh, but And then somebody else is using their turtleneck or their sweater or something yeah. over their face. But it, it feels very... Now it feels like it's happening, you know, this week, that type of thing. Um, I like I like those visual cues to kind of set you in the time of the story. I think that stuff is neat. Yeah, and as you said, visually, uh Layla Liaz, the some of the, the page layouts in yeah. sort of drug-induced haze sort of things, and the panels flow into each other. It's also some double page spreads you have to navigate around. You mentioned the all reds, it definitely has that feel, that op art, pop art feel to it. I've I've never seen their work before, but this is this makes one hell of an impression. Yeah. For uh for like for a debut, at least for me. I I I did add Layla's name to my breakthrough list because it's early, but hey. you gotta you gotta you gotta think of these things. Hey, when 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 the you know when it strikes, you gotta write it down. That's what I've been doing. 
I made myself a little list. I also think sometimes I think it's the same reason why I prefer trades than single issues is because I think it's so easy when you're you get the single and you don't know where the story is going to go. You don't know if it's going to get better. Um, I feel like that's the thing. It's like this could go one of two ways. We don't know. It's this is the first yeah. one. So mm-hmm. let me. Go ahead, Steve. In, for for as long for as long as your reading as your journey continues, for as long as you're reading comment uh, comics to enjoy them and just to appreciate the stories, savor that because yeah. once you start reading everything with a critical eye, it can sometimes like take the wind out of your sails a little bit. Yeah. And you start getting a little bitter, a little judgy, or you're looking for little things because you gotta have a formed opinion by next Monday or whatever it is when you're doing the show. And um, man, sometimes you just got to read something to read something. Oh, that's my film studies agree. Like sometimes I'll just be watching a movie and I had to really train myself to just go, wait a minute. I don't actually care about this Dutch angle. Like I just want to know if I'm enjoying <laughs> this or not. <laughs> uh, Captain Marvel sounds amazing. I got to get caught up. Oh, yeah. And uh, I haven't read Once in Future in a while because that book intimidates uh, me. I trade weight so I can get glops of it at a time. Mm-hmm. But the, Smart the, way to the go. catching up becomes a problem because it's so dense and so Great. wonderful yeah. at once. It is a wonderful book. Bridget is just one of my favorite characters ever. Yeah, That's I read. Book. I read. Ahead. I read volume three. It was on I, when I went to get to the shop. It was at the. It was like at the top of the pile. I was like, yes, please. I, I'm. I'm a sucker for the Arthurian stuff back when I was a kid, but this is this is so good and so beautiful, and it it is hard to wait. But I'm with Bob. I think it reads better when you have the big chunk of it. I don't know if I, I mean. I'll, so I have a. I've, I've done a couple of things with it. So I have done the the not necessarily trade waiting, but I started reading it as part of the end of the year thing. So I just caught up with those trades. But then after catching up with those trades, I literally found myself unable to not not have it pick up the next one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I have. If I see it out there, I have to pick it up. So I just sort of lean into it and it's like all right just you know it's something you're really enjoying just grab it i'm um, sarah and i feel badly to spend your money but still <laughs> uh, steve, steve and joey did it to me on giant days that i was trade waiting and then all of a sudden i couldn't <laughs> yeah yeah no i giant days. have to <laughs> do we know how long once in future is going for at least one more volume okay and they, so, go ahead aaron so I got more. thoughts about Captain Marvel. I wanted to ask Bob. Sure. Did we miss how Ove became so powerful? I can't remember. Well, as, as the son of Prince Namor and the Enchantress, we're just saying it's a I, mutation or a genetic okay. thing. Because it was like she was almost. Uh, I didn't. I guess what I was thinking is I didn't realize that she, he was, exponentially more powerful than her, to the point where it was like. So that sort of threw me off in the book. Well, I was like, wait, did I miss a chapter somewhere the, here? That, the Submariner, that- who I we or we base on that, the Submariner, the way Stan used to write it, in the water, the Submariner could beat the Hulk. Hmm. That's how strong he is. Hmm. So. Even on land, he's a heavy hitter. Could take out the thing. That's uh, he's he's a big timer. Now you add as guardian magic to the mix, that puts him in a, a Thor kind of level character. 
So what did you think of that last scene between her and Steven? I think it's the only way that could have gone. Yeah. I feel like that's going to lead to a couple things. And I feel like that may play out in the who killed Wanda situation. Absolutely. And we, we get a Stephen strange death coming. We've got magic going all over the place. Carol's not quite there to handle that, but she'll figure it out because she's Carol. Yeah. I just feel as though Rhodey made a really good point. Yes, he, yes, he like, does. He wrote his you, back, by the way, folks. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> he made a very good point in that you don't run everything. You might be the boss of space. Right. Exactly. He's like, you don't run everything. And there's been, I was thinking about this the other day as I was reading the book. There have been three arcs now where she has had to be dishonest to her friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and withhold things from her friends. And I keep thinking, at how, at what point are we going to run that one to ground and just sort of stop it? Stop making her the liar, although for a good cause, for good reason. Stop putting her in these positions where she has to continually lie to her friends and then ask them to trust her because eventually they're just not going to trust you. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that goes back, I guess, to the last Secret Wars thing, right, where she – had to take on this role that didn't seem to make any sense for Carol as the character we knew. And I think Kelly Thompson's trying to work back through that to turn that around with the help of her friends who we saw with Jess and now see with Rhodey. I could definitely see this. I I just keep, I want them to stop using her as a punching bag, I guess is my question. My thing. Sometimes I feel like they do use Carol as a punching bag, which I don't like. But I do love these stories, though. I love I love this. I, I've been loving Kelly Thompson's view. I think yeah. probably close to Kelly Sudeconic. Um It's yeah. up there for me. Uh, I And I love in McKelvey's story, when you're talking about her, her stubbornness and whatever, where they actually get down to, without saying it the way Kelly Sue says it, uh, Carol's saying to come on, but I signed up for it. I chose to become a hero. I'm just so tired of getting back up. Steve gets back up because it's the right thing to do. Tony gets up because he believes in the future. I get back up because I'm too damn stubborn to stay down. And I'm not sure that's enough anymore. And Kamala is, and you, and you, and you need my help. Yeah. 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 yeah, Right. And, And that's what separates Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers from those other heroes. There's that. Yeah. You, you, you think what you want. I'm, you're not getting me down. You're not keeping me down. I'm just too darn stubborn. Or as Kelly Sue says, F you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Is that it? We got we to gotta move on to the news. This is going to be a very long episode. Cool. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it's fun. It's good. And five <laughs> hours later, we'll be fine. No, we're, we're, we're in good shape. We're in good shape. <laughs> All right, so the uh, San Diego Comic-Con, if you didn't know, San Diego Comic-Con came and went. Um, It's unfortunate that we're still in the state that we're in, that this was not a bigger deal. But uh, there were some uh, Eisner Awards being passed out over the weekend, and uh, we got a whole bunch of winners. We did, and we did too. I will say. Did we? Because yes, we I'm did. looking at this list and I feel like I know some of this stuff, but some of it I have never heard of. Um, I love the name of this thing. Best short story 
when the menopausal carnival comes yeah. to town <laughs> by Mimi Pond. I want That's to an amazing. That. I don't. I've not read that, but that title is incredible. Um, best single issue went to Sports as Hell by Ben Passmore. Best continuing series. Okay, so best continuing series. This These one, were the choices. What? I'm sorry. I have I have an issue with this one. Okay. All right. Well, hold on. Bitterroot, Daredevil, The Department of Truth, Gideon Falls, Stillwater, and Usagi Yojimbo. Usagi Yojimbo taking it home. John, your commentary. <laughs> okay. How? I'm sorry. I... I did not know Usagi Yojimbo was still around and still a okay. forty years old. Oh yeah, he's this, still hopping, man. This is the heavy. This is one of the heaviest hitters of continuing series I've seen in some time. I just got maybe I and a it. rabbit, a ninja rabbit. Sorry, samurai, samurai rabbit, <laughs> samurai. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm missing out. Maybe this is a book I need to reinvestigate. But Daredevil is the greatest thing on the stands right now. Bitterroot ki- kicks ass. Gideon Falls was amazing. Department of Truth and Stillwater are are great reads, but apparently the the sagas of a of a traveling samurai bunny. Well, here's, <laughs> hey, here's, man, here's the back. thing. Some years, I could be. This could be great. Some years all I'm back. Saying. Some years back. What we did our best of Mara brought this to our attention, and we read through a year of it, and it was very very good. I, it was I, very good. I might be missing. Yeah. All I'm saying is, I I might. This might be something I need to go back Check and it. look at. The problem is, yeah, forty years of it to catch up on is the real issue. <laughs> I got a summer vacation. I'm fine. okay. No, I uh, I went to go and look in Comicsology Unlimited to see if there was any Usagi Yojimbo, and there is, and it's like Usagi Yojimbo Volume One, and I'm like, oh, perfect, and I look, and it says 2019. So I don't know if it's volume a reprint. Of, it must be volume one of IDW probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I have a lot of stuff to pick up this week, but I did add Usagi Yojimbo yeah. at the bottom because I want to know what's up. Me too. I'm, Usagi I'm, Yojimbo I'm, beating Bitterroot and Daredevil? Get out of here. Usagi Yojimbo, here we come. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so best limited series. We had Barbalian, uh, Decorum, Far Sector, Strange Adventures, We Live, and somehow Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen yes, by, by, by Mad Fraction Steve and Steve Lieber. Trash. No, I don't I think don't, it's trash. No. But Aaron, like, Aaron is correct. <laughs> over Far Sector? Yeah. There's no way. No it's way. Fixed. Y'all kind of a little judgy thing. right now. We do sound that way. No. The whole thing is fixed. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. We don't. Uh, we don't something love, happened. We love something Olsen. happened. No, I have to say. See All right. Uh, best new series. We had Crossover, The Department of Truth, Philadelphia, which I almost read this week but didn't. Uh, and we only find them when they're dead. Uh, and taking it home. Woo! The book that Marvel has tried to kill on, I don't even know how many occasions, Black Widow, Kelly Thompson, and Ella yeah. Casagrande, uh, Elena Casagrande. Yeah. They got that F- one, I, right? like, Fuck yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. Should have been That book sector. rules. <laughs> even in that what? category. <laughs> um, uh, hopefully, a couple hopefully of quick hits. It's Widow ahead. to continue as opposed to yeah, I hope so too. canceling it every other month. Well, now yeah. they get to put Eisner Award winner on the cover, so they got to do like another arc. One would hope. One would hope. Yeah. I think we've solicited up to number 12, so I think we're good. 
So we'll do a couple of quick hits here. Best publication for early readers went to Our Little Kitchen by Jillian Tamaki. Uh, best publication for kids went to Superman yeah. Smashes the Clan. Hell yeah. Uh, there's something on here called Doodle Evil, and I kind of need to know <laughs> what that is. Uh, best publication for teens went to Dragon Hoops. Young Yang. Look at that. Yeah. Um, also, check please. Book two is on best publication for teens. I really want to read those books. I got to pick those up. Um, best humor publication again <coughs> went to Superman uh, pal Jimmy Olsen. Uh, so that won twice. That's cool. Uh, the uh, best anthology went to Menopause, a comic treatment edited by MK. Ooh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that one. <laughs> uh, best reality based work. Went to Kent State, Four Dead in Ohio. Uh, almost done here. Best graphic memoir went to The Loneliness of the Long Distance Cartoonist. I like that title. Uh, by Adrian uh, Tomine. Best graphic novel went to Pulp, uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean yeah. Phillips. Mm-hmm. Uh, best graphic album reprint, Seeds and Stems by Simon Hanselman. Hmm, what about uh, that's another about? one. Oh, I know what that's <laughs> about. And I'm all about it. Uh, best adaptation from another medium went to Superman Smashes the Clan again. Uh, wow, there's a lot more of these than I thought. Right, go see. for I'm best writer. Uh, best writer went to James Tynan, uh, the fourth, for all of the things that he does. Uh, best writer artist went to Junji Ito, which is just awesome. Uh, let's see here. Uh, best penciler. I thought the penciler colorist that you had Mike Allred for penciler and Laura as colorist. Yes. Uh, Best Painter went to Anand R.K. for uh, Blue and Green, which we talked up at last year's awards pretty much. Uh, Best Cover Artist, damn right it went to Peach Momoko. Uh, Those Demon Days books are incredible. Her covers are incredible. Uh, Fantastic artist that uh, has has been getting some love this year. Um, Best Lettering went to Stan Sakai for Usagi Ujimbo. Now you have to read it twice. (laughs) <laughs> um but uh, i think that there's a lot of categories oh, friend, here friend I think of the pod can... trina robbins won an, oh. another eisner for her archival work flapper queens the uh female artist of the 1920s and 30s oh wow uh and best digital comic friday by ed brubaker and marcos martin did they do a Ice Cube's Friday adaptation in comic I'm thinking book form. Not, but you, you may want to check it out just in case. I might have to. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Um, so, so those are just, the Eisners. Just because I want to set your expectations, I wasn't going to say anything, but where you said dude, dude evil, it's just doodleville. <laughs> I just didn't want you to look up a book. I was going to say that, but I didn't want you to look up a book thinking it was one thing and find it completely different. Hey, man, listen. Listen, I know how to copy and paste. You don't have to tell me. I was just like, I feel like somebody should warn him. This book is delightful. Where's the evilness? It is Doodleville. You're totally right. I thought it was doodle evil. I thought it was going to be like some sinister ass kid sitting in the classroom drawing monsters and they come to life and shit. I was like, I "I think he's looking at a completely different book. Doodleville just sounds like a video game. (laughs) 
All right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Aaron. That, that was my part mm. to the community. Ruin everything. Shoot evil. <laughs> uh, John, I'm going to go cry, but okay. before I do, I'm going to throw the stick to you for this uh, Scott Snyder news. What do you got here? Yeah, apparently Scott Snyder has left DC Comics or left his exclusive contract with DC, and he has signed with Amazon Comicsology slash Dark Horse to create eight uh, single, I guess they're probably be like, they're like $5. So I'm assuming they're going to be like 40 to 50 pages of basically horror and sci-fi titles with a killer list of artists. You got Jamal Eigel, Jock, Too Little Toy, Francis Manpaul, Francesco Francavilla, Dan Panosian, and then Raphael Albuquerque. And so these will all be released on Comixology first in October weekly. And then if you want a a print copy, you can order them through Dark Horse at a later date. But it looks like, you know, Comixology is going out and getting one of the heaviest hitters of the industry and and going digital first, which might be, you know, with what we're talking about with money and comics and 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 creator rights this might be something that comicsology and amazon who you know just sent a guy to space last week for three minutes <laughs> they have some money to throw around and this might be uh the future destination for a lot of top talent could be a game changer absolutely yeah you bring a name like this that is awesome with, with then that's stable of artists you're now looking yeah. at a lot of eyes will be on those books oh yeah I didn't uh, realize the scope of this thing when we threw it in the outline. This is really cool. Yeah. And it's going to be on Comixology, which means I can put my subscription to work. I will read all of them. I will too, probably. That's, that is my goal. That's my, <laughs> my my vow for every week I will come back with a new Scott Snyder book. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Some of these covers are really evocative. I love them. This one for Clear. With the uh, the helmeted person, oh yeah, yeah, and the the handprints over the eyes. That's really yeah. neat. I like the Francesco Francavilla, the like World War One era soldier, yeah. like the creepy castle. This oh, uh, Dudley Dotson and the Forever Machine looks like fun. Mm-hmm. Looks weird. Oh, and Greg Capula is doing the first one. I forgot to mention. Him. Oh, oh, just, uh, we just have Greg demons. Capula. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm still is, I'm still scarred from death metal. So. Okay. <laughs> this is awesome. I haven't read anything Scott Snyder in a really long time, probably since Batman. Yeah, which is maybe. Um, I just got what's Witches, that? Maybe. Yeah, I I think I only read the first volume too, yeah, of yeah. that. What was that other book he did, The Wake, was it? Oh yeah, with uh, Sean yes. Gordon Murphy. That was yeah. good. That was yeah, really that was good. a good book. Yeah, I mean he's done. He's doing that uh, Noctera over at image he's doing a whole bunch of stuff i just i just haven't crossed paths with him in a, in a couple of years mm-hmm. um this is exciting i would um, i'm eager to uh to check these books out this is really neat uh especially since i can read them for free all right <laughs> oh no they're not free I, are they on? oh if they're on comicsology unlimited they damn well better be i don't know if they're unlimited i think they're released oh. through comicsology first oh tricky tricky all right, I'm going to have to make a phone call. It's the second news story in a row that's crushed. <laughs> all right, I'm taking back I'm taking back my claim of reading all of them. I will review the ones that I find interesting and like. That is the amended Real version of that. Evil there. Yeah. 
See, my my co-hosts just like to crush my dreams. That's their that's their goal every Monday or Tuesday whenever we end up doing this show. Um, that's totally not true. We all love each other. Okay, <laughs> last story. Last but not least. There is a new – we somehow missed this in June, even though Bob has pre-ordered his copy. There is a new Ms. Marvel comic writer uh, being teased out here. Are we still laughing at my expense? What's going on? Yeah, it's like the book's coming out next week. Yeah. It's like breaking news. It's not coming out next week, is no, it? I'm joking. Okay. Like, we're still Listen, behind the eight ball on this one. Crushed my dreams three times. Uh so Samira Ahmed is the first female South Asian writer to tackle Marvel's uh, premier Muslim superhero in a comic series. And they, uh, Entertainment Weekly did an exclusive interview uh, with Ahmed and is, uh, they show the cover. And I am so excited because Ms. Marvel's coming back and she is my favorite Marvel character. So this is very exciting. For September 15th, I believe, is the first issue. Noise. She's, she's been missing for too long. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I am. I am overjoyed to hear that this is not only in the works, but happening very soon. It'll be out, I guess, just before, just, just before the show begins, right? That's due fall. Yep. For Disney plus. Um, uh, Hawkeye's I, first in Hawkeye's the fall. First? And then yeah. Marvel's winner. Okay. Yeah. We have what if, and then Hawkeye, and then maybe Ms. Marvel after that? I don't know if we're going to see that before the end of the year. They've said that both will be out by in 2021. Yeah. Really? So it might be hugging right at the end of the year, right up to Damn. that. Yeah. We might have to postpone the award. <laughs> okay. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. I don't know. It's our 10th one. We don't even know what we're doing for those yet. <laughs> uh, we got time. For like 12 hours. That's what we're going to do. Um, okay. Uh, does anybody else want to chime in about this, uh, this Ms. Marvel news? We excited? We're excited. Of course. Yeah, we're excited. Always excited about you feel it? Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to some questions Listener then. Questions. Listener questions and comments. Uh, so like I said, if you sent us a question and we do not read it, we will save it for next time. Uh, this one comes from a broken wizard. Either of the big two, your choice are on the brink of collapse and you have been tasked with choosing three titles to flagship a relaunch restructuring. What are the three books? Who is the creative team? What is the price point and what is the schedule for monthly or otherwise? Damn. That's a lot of information. Yeah, man, I'm not doing all that. You're not doing all that. <laughs> I did all of that. <laughs> I did. I did some stuff here. I'll go for, I'll go first. Uh, I figure if I'm going to choose Marvel, if if Marvel's about to shit the bed and we need three books to save us, uh, I'm going to have to go with an Avengers book because you need to have an ensemble. Mm -hmm. You got You got have the excuse to get a lot of characters in there. And what you do is you pick up the phone and you call Kieran Gillen and you say, we need an Avengers book. And then after that, you either call Simone DeMeo or Christian Ward and you get them to do the art for it. And bam. Marvel is saved. But if that's not going to work, you have another book coming out called Enter the Spider-Verse. This is a <laughs> Spider-Person ensemble book that includes Peter Parker, Miles, Gwen, Cindy Moon, Jessica Drew, and others. It is written by G. Willow Wilson. Ooh. 
an unlikely candidate for this for the Spider-Man, but I think she would knock it out of the park with art by Dan Mora. Last but not least, we were just talking about her, and like I said, she is my favorite, but Ms. Marvel. I would recommend Saba Tahir. She is the award-winning Pakistani author who wrote the Ember in the Ashes series. She also uh, wrote the Ember in the Ashes graphic novel that I read yes, earlier okay. this year and talked about on the show. Uh, she is wonderful, and I think that she has great sensibilities for the character. And I would have the art by Felipe Andrade because I've been in love with the many deaths of Layla Star, and their work has always, always been close to my heart. So those are my three. Marvel gets to live, gets to charge everybody way too much money for stuff yeah. another day. There you go. Yes. Uh, John, what do you have? I'm saving DC because DC needs saving. You hear me, DC? Oh, <laughs> no. Shots fired. Um, I'm going to go with a Batman, uh, but I'm going to do like a Batman family, kind of like what you were talking about. Um, I'm going to have the lead story done by, I'm going to keep Tynan because I think Tynan's doing a great job, but I'm going to have him joined by, we only find them when they're dead, uh, part uh, artist Simone DeMeo, because I think his Batman would be amazing. I'm going to do a Superman title and I'm stealing the fantastic four creative team of Dan slot and RB Silva for that one. And then I'm going to do a justice league book and I'm going to make wonder woman, the focal point of my justice league book. And then I'm going to have a huge rotating cast of characters come into it uh, to show all of the DC, um, you know, the Pantheon of heroes. And I'm going to open up my checkbook and I'm going to give it to Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz and say, have fun, uh, go kill it, and I will save DC with those three books. You probably could. <laughs> I could. <laughs> On a mission. I love it. Uh, Aaron, what do you got? All right. So I'm also going to try to save DC, but I know my books are pretty much going to push it further down the drain. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Just because. Well, you did not understand the assignment. <laughs> actually, well, it'll make me buy them all. But I a, can't speak for everyone else. And in the end, isn't that all that matters? That really is. As long as I build out my own collection, who cares what everyone else does? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm breaking DC into three pieces here. It's not, not brain surgery here. but So there's going to be street level, cosmic, and uh, magic. So magic, mm-hmm. I'm going to have Zatanna anchor that book. You know, how cast of characters, all magically created, sort of cycling through there. I'm going to have that. I, I like the the Ram V take on Zadana, so I'm going to start. I'm going to go there. I'm going to hold off on artists at this point. Just bear with me. Um, and then we're going to go with Cosmic. Cosmic, we're going to go Far Sector, Joe Mullen. She's going to be the, the, the top of that whole mm-hmm. heap and bring everybody else in there. Artist is obvious. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. As is the writer on and that then, one, I'm assuming, too. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't ask me any silly questions, people. But um, then there's going to be, I think we always need a street level, street level detective doing detective-y things and solving street level crimes. Detective Chimp. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> detective Chimp all the way. And I think the the writer should be, I think it should oscillate between Ram V because I like his detective chimp, but also Mark Russell because I think it would be funny. Ram V just tied to a desk. Basically. DC. Just write him <laughs> Save us. 
just write them all. Now, I think on the Magic side, there's like a variety of artists that I kind of like. So I didn't really sort of start. I think Carrie Randolph was one that I was thinking. And then mm-hmm. um, who's doing Strange Academy? I can't remember who that is. Umberto Ramos. Ramos. Umberto Ramos, yes. And then, um, yeah, Umberto Ramos in there with someone else. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I like, I uh, haven't seen this guy in forever. I don't know what else he's doing, but Jay Lee. I like Jay Lee's art. Oh yeah, I oh, yeah. Strange Academy was almost in my rotation of uh, books as like a like a young team based book. There you have it. I'm there you. you have it, uh, Nikki. Are you going to try to help us save one of these universes? Oh God, this question's so above my head. It's not funny. I just know that I guess I would save Marvel, and I want more Mockingbird, but I don't think I have any way of how you would relaunch or make it better because I like Mockingbird, and I just feel like it was canceled too early. So that's all I got. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all agree. Just bring back Mockingbird. Yeah, That'll just, save just Marvel. Done. Try it again. Th- just, just put in Kelly Thompson and uh, Casa Grande. Mockingbird. Yeah. Done. Everybody gets a corgi with their yeah. purchase of Mockingbird. I just feel like you don't need corgi. a good laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so that's what you're going to do. You're going to you're going to have Mockingbird save the yeah. Marvel. Yeah, it can save label. the whole. I think the climate for it right now is super ripe. I think it was ahead of its time. And I feel like the backlash she got then wouldn't happen right now. So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, Bob? I'm, I'm going to cheat because I'm old. <laughs> I can't do it in three books. And despite what everyone's going to think, I am not going to save Marvel. I'm going to save DC. <laughs> So there you go. The one that needs saving. The there one you that go. needs saving. So you, you need, to me, you need the, the big players. You know, that's what's going to get to the to the the wallets and the hearts and minds of regular folks. You got to you got to save the big ones. So I'll do Batman. I want Gail Simone and Joel Jones on Batman. Mm-hmm. I also do want Detective. So we'll, we'll have Gail do that too because she can. And I want Elena Casagrande on Detective with Gail Simone. Mm-hmm. I want a Wonder Woman book, and I want a Wonder Woman book that I could be proud that I'm reading every month. So, it's Kelly Sue DeConnick and Nicholas Scott. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, this next bit is where I'm really going to have to cheat, because Superman's, it's why that company exists. And granted, it's changed. It's a Batman-centric book. And so many great people have failed at Superman, or at least not brought Superman back to be the head of the company anymore. So I think you need an event. So we're talking events, and we're talking cosmic stuff. It's Hickman. So I want Jonathan Hickman on a Superman Justice League eventy kind of thing. Ooh. So on Justice League, it's Jonathan Hickman and Olivia Coipel. And on Superman, I think it needs to be a little lighter on his chapters. So it's still Hickman, but it's Lee Garbett. Oh, I like that. Who did Skyward and did such a a, a, lith athleticism and gracefulness and the flying sequences and that even things are going crazy. I think he'd be great. Then he did a great run on Captain Marvel. And then throw it off to the side because once you got the JLA, I want some JSA. So we got to bring back Jeff Johns, which is never going to happen, but I'm in charge. So he's coming back. (laughs) And Matea D. Ulis on a Justice Society book. Ooh. 
And that's my plan. Breaking out the big guns. That's my plan for saving DC. I love it. These are all really good ideas. All right. Everything is everything's going to be fine. Yes, folks. We're, we're, we're in charge. Uh, we're in charge. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. We have another question from the uh, a broken wizard. What is a story arc or graphic novel single issue that you found to really inspire you creatively? Whether it inspired a piece of writing, art, music, etc., and what was it specifically that it uh, really that really struck you? There's more to it, but you got it. Uh, so for me, I've said this a couple of times on the podcast, so I'll say it again. But uh, Clive Barker's The Thief of Always is one of my all-time favorite books and was one of the things that I read that I was a big reader before I read that story. But that story really opened my eyes to fantasy and horror in ways that I didn't know could be blended together. Uh, it's this like adult fable of a child being stolen away in the night and brought to this world where every morning is Christmas and every evening is Halloween and every dinner is Thanksgiving. And it's this fantasy world that's really run by these nightmare monsters and you have to break the illusion and get home and just – it feels like a classic framework for fantasy horror for me, especially like YA type of stuff. And it has stuck with me for as long as – until this day to be quite frank. Uh, And the other thing that I have is Emma Ruth Rundle's 2016 solo album, Marked for Death. So I came up with an entire story arc while listening to this album in the rain at New York City Comic Con. I was walking across town to make an interview appointment, and it all just came to me as I was listening to this album and, and, you know, crossing streets and whatnot. And I still remember a lot of the details and have that stuff written down and hope to one day really do something with it. Who knows? Maybe I'll pull a pull Stephanie and come out with a book one day. Uh, Yeah. No, I'd like to, there's rumblings. I don't want to say too much, (laughs) but um, remember way, way back, Steve, you and Lauren and I, we had your white, we had our Hickman whiteboard in your apartment. Wednesdays. Wednesdays. We're going to do do a comic about Wednesday's new comic book day in a store and whatever. I thought we had some great Mm -hmm. ideas. Yeah, no, we really did. We definitely did. Uh, Yeah, I have this. I have two things that I have outlined and and whatnot. And um, I made a promise to myself over the summer that I would I would really buckle down and do something. So I've started talking to some people, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I got a lot of work to do but I have at least two stories that I'd like to tell. So we'll see. Uh, those are my answers. Nikki, do you have uh, anything for this one? Yeah, I actually, uh, so with Pretty Deadly, I just think it's one of the most beautiful series I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mm-hmm. dabble in like special effects makeup. So Death Face Ginny yes. is on my list of things. I really want to be able to recreate that character. I think one day when I get up the nerve to cosplay, that's going to be the one I go for. Um, and I actually did a beer Instagram post of one of the issues uh, that Kelly Sue reposted. And I know yes, Bob is very right. proud of that. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, like that inspires me a lot. And I also really like the Umbrella Academy series. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got into it after the show. I like the show so much. And I was like, this is weird. I want to read the books. And um, and the comics are weirder. And I just really appreciate how authentic uh, Gerard Way is to himself and with I think it's Gabriel 
Spa does the artwork. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and I just think it's it's one of the most intriguing art, I think. And I just really like being able to channel that when I, I'm just using my voice online. Like, it was like, this really works for them. They, they went with what they felt the story needed, and I just appreciated that. So those are the ones that inspire me. Nice. nice. I am in the process of sending you a photo from Halloween of my wife and I oh, dressed right. as yes. you did pretty deadly right. characters. You did Fox, right? Yeah. yeah, I did Fox, and she was Death Face Ginny. I'm going to send this to you okay. in the Skype chat okay. right now. This is great radio. Here we go. <laughs> All right. We should, uh, it's loading. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so cool. Oh, wow. We look damn good. Yes. We, we did a we did a fine job, I think. Oh, you nailed Dyed it. Dyed my hair. I sprayed it. My, my beard and everything. Yeah, Mom you did all of her own makeup stuff like that. I like I went very red to be Jessica Rabbit for a Halloween wedding. Like if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. So, oh my god, I love it. You guys look fantastic. Yeah, Brahman lent me her coat. It was perfect. All right, uh, let's see, Aaron, what do you uh, have for this one? You know, I sort of struggle with this one. I don't know. Inspiring to inspire the it's a bloated statement, so I don't know. So I, I just sort of shifted it in my in my head to be somehow moved me somewhat in some way or another. That's good. Um, you know, to sort of look at books in a different way. Um, and there's a couple books that popped in my head. The one was the Mighty Thor because I love that whole Jane oh. Foster yeah. story arc you know, for what it was um, and what it was meant to be. There was another one that I read called The Magic Order, which I thought was, was, was uh, I don't know, there's something about that family structure of it that I thought was different, that I thought maybe, it was almost, I think Olivia Coppell identified it as um, The Sopranos meets Harry Potter or something like that. <laughs> um, it's, that family relationship, I think, is, was a, I always, I remember saying at the time that that was a, a way of structuring books that I thought should be used more widely, but wasn't. And then another one was another image book called Prodigy, which, and that inspired me because a main character was this guy who is basically the smartest, wealthiest, you know, uh, most capable human on the planet. And he's a person of color. Um, and it's also an image book. Um, so those three cool. popped in my head. I love it. I love it. Uh, John. I, I kind of struggled like Aaron because anything I do creatively I, is not is really non-comic. Uh, like anything I've written that's fiction is never superheroes. But with my job being government and teaching politics and so forth, I really find myself fascinated with uh, the first two volumes of The Ultimates by Mark Miller and Brian Hitch in the concept of a government-funded super team uh, taking over the defense, the budget, uh, being the front line of a of a nation state's uh, foreign policy, and then I think of where we are today as a government, and you know the previous guy and the current guy, and and how far they that could go wrong with certain people at the head of our government. Um, so I think about that a lot when I'm thinking about um, just when you know creatively inspiring and things like that. That that book always resonated with me and how horrible our country and world could really become if these people existed and they were linked to our 
our current structure. I feel like we need a special edition version of this podcast where you just unleash always <laughs> that like stuff. last week <laughs> seriously yeah. i just i feel like I'm, you're I'm, I'm i'm game it's it's gonna probably be the most <laughs> uh yeah Coming soon on patreon <laughs> yeah patreon yeah. <laughs> we'll do that for the first episode if that doesn't keep them in <laughs> yeah if that doesn't make your uh your money worthwhile i don't know what will yeah all right uh that's awesome those are great great answers bob I'm all over the place with this. I've spent a lot of years on this earth and absorbed a lot of books and movies and music and so on. And things get to me and then they're prompted by something else. We needed at one point a, a for our old podcast for the fanboy remix, Bobby wanted our radio play. And so, oh, I had this idea and he sort of prompted it and I could find my way around getting that so that was out of lovecraft there's a follow-up we're going to do one of these days it's certainly it's a rod serling piece and all those years of watching twilight zone and the ideas just sit in your head and so many come from from our listeners where people write me an email i'd someone say well you're complaining about these fantastic four movies what would you do well i wrote a three movie pitch (laughs) and sent it off as a letter (laughs) sure here's what we could do we could do the mole man and we can do Dr. Storm showing up and the rest of it. Um, and it's a holiday will come up. It was the, the, a couple of years back. It was the anniversary of the launch of Superman and it got me thinking about George Reeves and how I first found superheroes and wrote a, a lovely piece. that got some nice uh, commentary or one I did about Wonder Woman that Christy Marston reposted to her, to her site. But here's the thing. I, over the last couple of years, I've officiated two weddings a, a renewal of vows and wrote a story for Steve's wedding. And it, it those things I think are, are what I, I may take nearest to heart. That, no. some, that, that, you know, that someone's day was, was not made by this, but certainly enhanced by the, some craziness I want to come up with. And people wanted a certain vibe and I managed to do that. And it, those are filled with nerdy references and all sorts of things and song lyrics and craziness. And there's one, one I grabbed, um, Aaron, your mom would know this one. I'll just leave it at that. There's a four top song from the early seventies called keeper of the castle. That's about all sorts mm-hmm. of relationships, but there's a, there are a couple of lines in it that speak to everything. Tend the garden that you seeded be a friend when a friend is needed and you won't have to look the other way. It's pretty heavy, wow. but really meaningful, and it really means something. I, I use that, and people teared up. It's like, well, it's not my words. It's Brian, 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 Dennis Lambert, and it's Levi Stubbs, and but it's still you do those things. But all that said, all that said, we're talking about inspiration. Certainly, my parents got me that this all started, and I've told the story, so I won't I won't bore you with it again. It's my ninth grade English teacher, Mister Sullivan who turned every day into an adventure. We read some of the greatest books in every genre possible, and he made everybody write every day. Everything that comes out of my pen, everything that comes out of my mouth came from Jim Sullivan of J. Taylor Finley Junior High School in Huntington, way, way back in like the early 70s. Hmm. Thanks, Mr. Sullivan. Wow. <laughs>
I knew a Mr. Sullivan that taught in my school. I doubt it's not the same person. He was fairly young when I had him. So you went to school Maybe. 20 years or so after I did. He could have still been teaching. My si- my sister had him, and then I had him. For English? Uh, I wonder if I could find a photo. This thing was, he was James Sullivan. James Sullivan. Son, James P. Sullivan. Isn't that uh, that's from Monsters, yes, Inc.? Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Oh, I like him already. <laughs> my, my James P. Sullivan wasn't a monster or blue or anything else, but you know. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna have to research this because I want to know now. That would be awesome. That would All be right. awesome. That would be very cool. All right, so uh, everybody went right. Yep. yep. All right, uh, we got one more here. I'll try not to go on and on because this one's for you. This, one this comes for you. This yeah. is the only reason this exists. Is for okay. you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there, 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 there are going to be at least some spoilers, so ye be warned. Uh, this one comes from Pete Stathis. Hi, guys. Thanks for all your great recommendations over the years. I'm currently reading Beta Ray Bill, Orcs, and The Nice House on the Lake because of your podcast. Speaking of Nice House on the Lake, uh, it seems like all the people selected to live uh, to live there are professional types. Is this an accident, or do you think class commentary will figure into the story? Okay. Okay. Has anybody else here – Bob, I know you read the I first issue. read the second. You can okay. spoil it. I read both. Okay. You read both. After your recommendation, I went and read both, and I, I concur. It's a great book. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Join me. Um, all right. So I'm going to spoil some of the things that happen in Nice House on the Lake. You've had two months. So if you haven't read it yet, please go and do it because it's amazing. So all these people get called to this vacation home for a week uh, by this one guy. His name is Walter. Walter has kind of met people as he's come and gone and has selected them to spend time together in this place. What they don't know is that, and again, spoilers for the nice house on the lake, that Walter is actually an alien and his people are attacking the planet. So he has brought these people to this house to keep them safe, keep them sane, and keep them entertained while the rest of the world is left to burn. And that's kind of the big reveal at the end of that first issue is that everything that you know about this trip has been wrong. And now the the world is burning and you have these 12 people that are in this house. Where the hell does the story go from here? In reference to this question, uh, it seems like all the people selected to live there are professional types. Is this an accident or do is this class commentary? I don't necessarily know that it is because I am of the belief that Walter genuinely cares about these people, that these are people that have been somehow entered his orbit throughout his life. Some of them have common threads and know each other. Others don't. They're meeting for the first time. Uh, some of them have left their old lives behind and are now changed and coming into this friend group and whatnot. And because he genuinely cares about these people and wants them to survive, I don't know that the class thing or their professions were a priority for for him. I think that maybe this is just what they do because they're I'm going to say maybe that they're they're of a generation where these are the types of jobs that you would have, and these are the types of people that Walter would surround himself with because he wants people that are on the cutting edge of these things that he's found interesting about the planet. 
Um, could it turn into a class commentary story at some point? Absolutely. Especially if it starts to get all Lord of the Flies once everybody kind of comes down off of the shock of the situation that they're in. That's already starting to happen in issue number two, where some people are starting to accept the fact that they're the only people left and they're in this house and we might as well make the most of it. Um, but those motivations might have been prompted by something nefarious. We don't know just yet. Um, it's hands down one of the coolest things that I'm reading right now. I fucking love it. So maybe that answers your question, John. You've you've read. So what do you have to say? I don't know if I, I wasn't thinking class commentary, but I was thinking societal commentary because you have such an eclectic group of people and such a, a kind of a diverse uh, type of people there. That mm-hmm. how they're going to function and how, you know, I could see rifts forming that we, we see forming outside our windows today, or could this be a chance for people of, of differing opinions and differing lifestyles to finally accept one another and kind of move forward. So I'm thinking something more like that rather right. than a, a have or have not story, but mm-hmm. who knows it, it it's, it, it, it's one of the best plot twists I've read in a long time. So I have like you. two going theories for myself right now with this book. And I don't know that either one of them, I'm, I'm like, I'm headed in a d- decent direction with either one, but like, what if it's all bullshit? What if I, the whole, that's what I was thinking too. Like, what if the sigils that are stashed around the grounds are somehow like keeping up the illusion and they're, they're, they're stuck in this experiment um, being being performed by Walter and and his kind or whatever. Um, I just I don't know where it's gonna go, and I'm so yeah. excited to find out. Yeah. I just the, never mind. No, it's too spoilery. I'm not gonna do it. All right, nope, nope. move on. Yep, uh, just go read it. Go read it. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, whoa, <laughs> books, more books. Books are coming out this week. Oh, this is the wrap up. Wrap up. This is the, the the grand finale. Um, what books are we looking forward to this week? Bob, what are you picking up? Wonder Woman 776, Wonder Woman Black and Gold number two. As far as I know, Black Widow 9, Mighty Valkyries 4, United States of Cap, Marvel Action, Captain Marvel, and FF34. Big week. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Aaron, what are you picking up? There should be a Patreon episode just from my list. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. This thing. Wonder Woman 776. All right, I'm just going to be honest. There's going to be some choices made here. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list out all the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an honor just to be nominated. Uh, FF34, Department of Truth, whatever number that is right now. Infinite Frontier, because I've actually been enjoying that, believe it or not. Number three, Sword number seven. Black Widow number nine. Other History of the DC Universe, uh, whatever number that is. Um, checkmate number two. I haven't read the first one, but I want to read it. So, you know, I had it on the list. Static season, season one, number two. Uh, Icon of Rocket, season one, number one. Uh, Wonder Woman, black and gold, number two. Again, asterisk next to that one. Shadow Service, number 10. Mighty Valkyries, four. I believe that's coming out this week, isn't it? I do think so. Um, yeah. And Shang-Chi, number three. Woof. All right. All right. A respectable list. So, uh, John, what do you got? There might be some choices made, is all I'm saying. 
Hey, man, sometimes you got to cut the fat. As I take my second mortgage out of my house, just like Aaron. (laughs) uh, I got Batman Superman number 20. I got Checkmate number two. Detective Comics 1040. Infinite Frontier 3. Robin number four. Strange Adventures number 11. Beta Ray Bill number five wraps up this week. Black Widow 9, uh, Joey's not here, so let's pour one out for Cable number 12, oh. the final issue. Um, Daredevil 32, Fantastic Four 34, Sword number 7, Shang-Chi number 3, and Wolverine number 14. Damn! <laughs> I know. You want to know the saddest part? You have me beat? I got you all beat. Oh, boy. I got you all beat. Here we go. That's sad for you. <laughs> Batman Superman number 20, Detective Comics 1040, Harley Quinn number 5, Robin number 4, Wonder Woman 776, I Am Not Starfire, the original graphic novel from Mariko Tamaki and Yoshi uh, Yoshitani, Beta Ray Bill number 5, Black Widow number 9, Cable 12, Daredevil 32, Fantastic Four number 34, Shang-Chi number 3, Sword number 7, Department of Truth number 11, Made in Korea number 3, Mirka and Dolfo, Sweet Paprika number 1, and Something is Killing the Children. I'm going to say 18 because I have an 8 here, but I know that's a lie. (laughs) And and Nikki, this is a guy who says he's burned out on comics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're over it. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Join us in two weeks for the Steve intervention take two. And uh, I might get some of that Usagi Yojimbo action off of uh, the Doodle Evil comics. (laughs) The Doodle Evil. Yeah, the Doodle Evil. (laughs) Pick up some some Doodle Evil and Menopause Carnival or whatever it was. That one sounded good. (laughs) It did. I genuinely am interested, I gotta say. (laughs) All right. Let's, well, Nikki, uh, do you have anything you're here. looking at this week? I've, um, honestly, I might just go to the comic book store and make it rain. Like, I don't have anything. That's the spirit. <laughs> I mean, much to the dismay of my to-be-read pile, but we can just add more books to that. It's yeah. fine. I love it. I love it. Do it. <laughs> do it. All right. Evil voice. <laughs> Let's see. Does anybody have any closing statements or comments before I read the thing? Happy one year talking comics anniversary to me. Wow. Oh, wait, you dropped that bomb at the end. Aw. It's really been a year, huh? Yeah, man. Do you have any regrets? Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) Aw, happy anniversary. Oh, that's lovely. Look at that. You've always felt like a part of the team in our hearts. Oh, God, is that smoke up my butt? What's happening right now? Yeah. Enjoy it. Breathe deep. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's been fun. It's been the best time ever. So thank you, guys. Awesome. Uh, Um, Oh, go ahead, Bob. No, I was just saying thank you. Oh. Uh, and yes, of course, unless anybody else wants to chime in, I want to thank Nikki for joining yeah. us this week. This was fantastic. Uh, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> did you have fun? I did. I had a lot of fun. It's very hot yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we're going to wrap up and cut everybody loose so they could turn on their AC units and their fans and everything and beat the heat. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. We've also got talkingcomicbooks.com where you can find reviews and features from our fantastic contributors. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Old-fashioned email, Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey is at Joey Braychino on the internet. Aaron? 
at Aaron J. Amos. John. At John P. Burkle. Uh, and Nikki, if you would like to share any uh, online social stuff that you would like to have people get in touch with you, you can do so. Sure. Uh, so if you are interested in all things beer, uh, it'll be sours underscore and underscore sass on Instagram. Um, also available on Facebook. Or if you just want books and selfies, my Instagram handle is Nikki Muggle one. All right. Awesome. Uh, is that it? That's it, right? That's it. All right. Uh, <laughs> I lost my place. I lost my place. Thank you all so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. Uh, so for Bob. Thank you, Nikki. Oh, thank you. For Nikki. Thank you, guys. <laughs> for Aaron. Central air. <laughs> and for John. It's chilly in this basement. <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> you can you can go scratch. That's what my mom would say. I don't even know what that means, but you can go do it. Uh, this has been the Talking Comics Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope that you have an amazing week and that you come back and join us for next week's show. Thank you so much. And to be continued. Burn.